You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. I got a bad feeling about this. I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! He's looking at you, kid. What we got here is a failure to communicate. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Welcome to what is basically at this point the annual Movie Forms podcast. We are here to talk about the Oscars once again with longtime members and cinephiles Holden Pike and Mark F. Gentlemen, thank you for coming. Okay, so let's just dive right in. Uh, best Picture, nine nominees this year rather than the, the ten that are allowed. I know, I think both of you kind of hate this new custom, right? Uh, or an old custom made new again, actually, uh, because they used to do this. But I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, you both kind of hate this, that there's more than five now. Yeah, it's just unnecessary. I mean, it it just it gives four or five others the chance to say they're Oscar nominees, but it always comes down to two, maybe three, who are really contending. So the rest are just window dressing. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, and you posted a link earlier showing that it's not even really achieving its intended effect. You know, it's kind of diluted the honor a little bit. I think it was. Right, right. The intent, you know, the intent. Part of the intent was at least publicly what they said was to get films. When, like people like uh, who were saying the, the Wall-E and the Dark Knight, people, movies that were popular like that, that uh, weren't getting Oscar nominations for Best Picture. They said, "Oh well, open it up and we'll get some of those." And the first couple of years, you know, all right, a couple of those snuck in, and now it's just back to you got nine or ten of the what would be the five, the kind of the same brand. Yeah, they've never heard of diminishing returns. It's literally award inflation. If you give out more awards, they're not worth it, worth as much, obviously. It also didn't help that this year there were those kind of big genre pictures that make a lot of money that weren't. Many especially good ones. I mean, I don't think anyone's crying that Iron Man 3 and Man of Steel <laughs> didn't get a Best Picture nomination. So, I mean, part of that is the year, part of it is just the trend, I guess. And I guess the the big three this year are 12 Years a Slave, American Hustle, and Gravity, probably the only ones with any shot whatsoever. Would you guys both agree? Sure. Yeah, um, I mean, based on the previous awards and the other award ceremonies and critics' awards, that seems to be one of those three. And everyone said 12 Years a Slave, 12 Years a Slave, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then the, the votes are starting to roll in. We should say that while we're recording this, the Directors Guild Awards are tonight, and that'll provide a very big hint. Producers Guild is, is actually not as good a predictor as the, as the uh, Directors Guild, but it's pretty good, and they actually split the award for the first time and kind of chickened out <laughs> 12 Years a Slave <laughs> and Gravity. So No uh, help there, yeah. That's not really much of a boost for anybody. Although I guess if 12 Years was considered the overwhelming favorite, and based on the, the poll we have on our site it is, uh, certainly, um, that might be a little indicator then, the fact that it didn't win that, let's say, handily. Well, certainly that Oscar type of movie in the realm of you know Schindler's List and Gandhi, that type of Oscar epic, bait. Uh, historical Oscar bait type movie. But, you know, I mean, Argo wasn't that kind of movie last year, and, you know, there are tons of examples of that type of movie not winning. So we'll see how it goes. I mean, Gravity I would did. be an interesting choice. I don't know if it'll get enough votes, but it looks like it's lost some of this momentum from when it was released a couple months ago. But <laughs> Momentum, an appropriate metaphor. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Call someone called Neil deGrasse Tyson. Make sure that momentum's going the right way around the world. <laughs> I just was hoping that one of these other movies does put up a good fight because it's just boring to have a best picture. Um, no, no, no choice. It seems like um, last year. Last year, um, I guess it had already turned. I don't remember when we did the show last year compared to the uh, 
Oscar. We did it a little later. In the we year. did it late. Yeah, we did it too late. Because uh, at that, I don't know if if Lincoln was still the favorite this year. You know, twelve angry, uh, twelve angry men. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I wish twelve years of slave uh, is the favorite. The other movies might be coming up a little. It's just they're they're too far behind. It seems like, and Gravity has. Um, the problem of being a so-called sci-fi movie. Which they just do not respect. Comedy, sci-fi, it's it, it's such an uphill climb. Well, you know, I don't know what they do not respect means, but they don't seem to, they don't give any awards for yeah. that film. Right. But um, I, my choice is Gravity by far. I know Holden's is American Hustle. So well, neither I mean, one I, of us actually wanted to win. <laughs> <laughs> I like all three, of the, all three of those contenders, American Hustle, Gravity, and 12 Years of Life. I think they're all great movies. I don't, you know, I won't really lose any sleep which one of them wins. I liked American Hustle a little more than Gravity at the end of the day, but, uh, you know, they're both great movies to me. All three of them are great movies. So. Well, they represent some really different ways of, of, of movie making, really. I mean, Gravity and American Hustle in particular, American Hustle is just, you know, that's what David O. Russell does, right? Large casts, strong characters, a lot of zaniness, um, really an actor's paradise. I mean, he's, I mean let, let me just read through this real quick. The Fighter uh, had three acting nominations. Silver Linings Playbook had four, and now American Hustle has four again. That's insane. Right. I mean, that's yeah. this is where you go to get nominated for an Oscar is you, you knock on David O. Russell's door. So yeah, it's I, w- I would do that. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not saying it, the plot wasn't any good or anything, but that's clearly not why you go to his movies. It's not what he, you know. You go for the right. characterization. Uh, Gravity, exact opposite. It's all about the craft of filmmaking. It's all on the director, uh, on the effects. It's about you know the more technical side of it. And I think I was I was talking to Harry Lyme about it, and he said he thought it was the future of filmmaking, which I thought was a really interesting thing to say. You know that this might be more towards where it's headed. Twelve Years a Slave, you know, maybe a little more in between, but I will say that I'm always very conflicted. I'm going to sound like a bummer saying this, but I'm always very conflicted when a film deals with really serious subject matter, be it, you know, a Schindler's List or or a film like this, because I I don't know how much of what I'm feeling is because the subject matter is so potent, as opposed to, you know, the quality of the film. And I almost feel tempted to discount what I feel because I feel, you know, because of what it's dealing with. I feel like a film that takes something frivolous and makes it feel serious might be more technically impressive. Well, 12 Years of Slave, um, as a side anyway, it's pretty well known that um, I'm not as big as fan. I, I think it's a well-made movie uh, to a point. I don't know. I just, uh, the movie came on and I just thought the the, the first 15 or 20 minutes was very awkward to me. I, I, and I was having a hard time getting into it. Of course, when uh, Lupita came on and had a couple of, of, of her scenes, I, I was blown away. You know, my overall effect was uh, I don't, I didn't feel much at all. Unless Lupita was on the screen, but uh... well, I mean, part of that might have been that uh, you know the main character, the way he gets through all this horribleness, is to remain very stoic. So there's yes. not a way into yeah. his trauma, which yeah. you know he's having, and you and you get glimpses of it. But I mean, his whole way of dealing with this is to shut down and just do <laughs> get through day by day, hour by hour, until he can find a way out of this nightmare. So he's like part of the audience, that. right? He's just right. watching this happen too, right? So there's not an emotional way in in that sense for the main character. Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. It, it, it is it is a very cold look at a very emotional situation, and I can see yeah, how that can I, turn certain people. I thought off. he. Um, yeah, I thought he underplayed his role quite a bit. Now, that I'm sure they got together and decided that's the way they're going to do it. Uh, I don't know how much that has to do with reality. I, I, I'm not one of those people that cares what the film presents. Hmm. I don't care if what they're presenting is the truth or complete fiction because I, I, you know, I grew up watching all the, the old 30s Warner Brothers movie, uh, you know, biographies, and they didn't have an ounce of truth in them. 
Yeah. It didn't matter. It didn't matter to me. I just wanted to know if it, you know, if it was good or not. That's it. Well, actually, it, it makes sense that you'd prefer Gravity then because you know, your favorite film is Jaws. So, I mean, that's not. It's not really. I mean, it's serious subject matter, but you know what I mean. It's not a historical epic. It's not dealing with broad human themes. You, you like the technical craft of filmmaking quite a bit. Well, now let's not narrow me down. To this <laughs> I don't want to pigeonhole you, Mark. Now. No, no, no. <laughs> but it, but it feels appropriate to me, and I and I I I, I you know I kind of lean that way myself. Although I have to point out, though, I think you both said he because maybe you were trying to avoid pronouncing. Let's see if I could do this. Chuatel Ejiofor, is that right? You got it. I got That's it. Good. Okay. I mean, we can just say he. We can just say that guy if you want. Chuatel Ejiofor. I I didn't want to sound like an idiot. Yeah, I, that's okay. I figured I'll take the bullet. I'll go first, and if I'm wrong, yeah. I'm wrong. Um, yeah, I, and there I do have. I don't know about you guys, but I do have an adverse reaction to anything that feels too much like Oscar bait. And you know, there's there are jokes and everything from Tropic Thunder to Bowfinger about you know this is what you do if you want to win an award, right? What they say a white guy pl- does a mental handicap, a black guy does a slave, and you know, obviously those are very fl- frivolous jokes about serious topics. But you know, it does feel a little on the nose, kind of like King's Speech did, at least for me. Yeah, and that that and that kind of backlash might you know. Get- of gravity or American Hustle, the edge ultimately that uh, everyone, you know, plenty of people might feel that way, even Oscar voters. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so American Hustle, the other one, Holden, you you prefer that? Uh, Mark, you prefer Gravity? Yeah, I, mean, I really I really enjoyed it. I thought it was energetic and fun, and I just I just loved it. But you know, I understand it's not everybody's cup of tea. I understand that people hate. I mean, people hate everything. People hate Casablanca. They're idiots. But they, they hate it. <laughs> yeah, um, it is my cup well, of tea, but in a weird way because I'm I'm watching it and I'm sitting here thinking. Goodness, this I feel like I'm watching just mid '90s Scorsese. I mean, it feels like right straight out of that. It feels like Casino to me, and and Bale in yeah. particular just channeling De Niro, and then De Niro shows up, so he successfully channeled him, I guess. Yeah. Which I, I don't know if that's a compliment or not. It felt a little derivative, um, and it's weird because I I know I'm alone in this, so you don't have to make fun of it. Casino is probably my favorite Scorsese film. I know everyone else says Goodfellas, Raging Bull, etc., but it's probably my favorite. So uh, my wife actually hasn't seen it yet, and now I feel bad because she's going to see it after this, and she's going to think it's probably derivative. You know. Before you before you pigeonhole me too much, the bottom line is I just thought Gravity was the most entertaining film. Mm-hmm. And you know, no, I I'm into entertaining. I'm not. You know, there's things going on at the site where wow, it's got to be serious or it's got to be unbelievably beautiful to be artistic or to be worth anything or to care about. And I, what are you talking about? What's <laughs> wrong with just feeling good? Yeah, or 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 scared or thrilled or just excited, right? Well, that's, that's a part of feeling good. <laughs> that's true. That's true. No, you're right. Feeling thrilled. Well, uh, although it depends on who you are. I'm a, I'm a bit of a nervous person. I got to say, watching Gravity, I, that the film is relentless. I, it was exhausting. I mean, I, I'm impressed, but I, I guess I felt good at certain points. I felt good when it was over because of the release of tension, you know. But 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 during it, it's it's brutal. And one of the reasons, though, I guess it's so entertaining, apart from being relentless, is that it's very short. Uh, it's uh, exactly 90 minutes long. I did a little research, and the shortest winner ever is Marty, which is only one minute longer. So it would be the shortest winner in history. Um, it would not be the short... It's not the shortest nominee, as you guys probably know. Once you get into the 30s, some of them get really short. Something called She Done Him Wrong, which I'm guessing both of you have seen and I have not. It was only 66 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, May West. And I'm trying to think. I, uh, I think Annie Hall is, is the uh, next shortest winner. The only one in recent times, something like 93 minutes. Although, do, do either of you care for a little quick trivia? Sh- shortest nominee since... Oh, well, heck, I can't. It's going to be tough for me without a list. I, to, I honestly tend to think of... I don't... I've, as many ways as I catalog a film, running time is not one of them. 
I tend to go with Roger Ebert on this, that, you know, no great movie is ever too long and no bad movie is ever short enough. Yeah, right. So I don't think in those terms. <laughs> great, like American Hustle. Uh, uh, Little Miss Sunshine. No, no, close. That was over 100. Um, I can give you a big hint, which is that uh, there's at least one thing about it that gives away the fact that it's short. It's something you can deduce. Well, is it animated? There you go. Ah, that narrows it down, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there's only a couple. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll I'll spare you the suspense. Yeah, it's Beauty and the Beast, 1991, which apparently is only 84 minutes long. Um, although there's a there's a longer version apparently that was released later. Uh, I thought Up was I think Up is the only other one, isn't it? The only other animated film? Toy Story three now. Oh, yeah, that's but... right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Up was not. Yeah, I have. I actually put together. A, I I, can't, I don't know why I went through this. Beasts of the Southern Wild was 93. Philomena this year is 95. Uh, Midnight in Paris, 94. 127 hours, 94. Uh, good that night, sounds good luck. awfully short for Beauty and the Beast, though, to me. It, it, it did. It, it seemed short to me, too. It seemed short to me, too. Uh, Babe, 92. Mm. The Full Monty, 91, actually came very close. Uh, good night and good luck, 93. Um, but yeah, Beauty and the Beast, you have to go back 23 years to find a, a Best Picture nominee shorter than Gravity at exactly 90 minutes. But I think that's kind of to its credit, really. I mean, that's one of the reasons it's so dense. I mean, yeah, I, I, that's one of the what's one of the criticisms of American Hustle getting that it's too long, that it's, I think it's two and a half hours, and that it doesn't, you know, the story that tells doesn't need to be that long. I mean, for me, it works, but I, I understand people get antsy, especially seeing it in the theater. Also one of the criticisms of The Wolf of Wall Street, and it seems like every year these Best Picture nominees are just incredibly long. Sometimes they need to be, and sometimes they don't, but um, I, I guess I did find it a little refreshing that this film said, it, okay, we're going to be very self-contained, we're going to set the bar right here, and we're going to meet it, and we're not going to, you know, pad it out. Um, because, frankly, if you were going for an award, I feel like you would make it longer. Yeah, so The Wolf of Wall Street uh, is one of the other nominees. Uh, I'll just run through them. Nebraska, Philomena, Her, Dallas Buyers Club, Captain Phillips. None of those have any chance, I assume. I guess Wolf of Wall Street kind of feels like it belongs, and the others are just sort of a mishmash? Or do you guys have strong feelings about it? Well, I really others? I really loved Her. I'm, I'm glad. I, I wish Spike Jones had made the cut for director, but I, love, I loved Her a lot. I mean, that was my, one of my favorites of the, of the year. Yeah, I'm not really shocked that it's not, you know, vying for Best Picture, but I'm glad it made the cut. It's one of those, I, you know, if it would have been five and would have been one of the five, I think it would have been great. At nine, even at nine, it's kind of devalued it. Now it's like, yeah, well, they threw it on there. Who cares? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas if it make the cut at five, it's like, yeah, they kind of got their shit together, man. <laughs> well, that's actually one of my questions for both of you guys. Um, we usually say that the Best Director nominees tell you who the real Best Picture nominees are, right? Uh, give or take. Um, and in this case, you know, four of them are pretty obvious. Um, but the, I don't know what the fifth would be. I don't know if it would be Nebraska. That's Alexander Payne got nominated for Best Director. But I don't know. I feel like you could make an argument for most of those and frankly yeah her in particular I don't really know who the fifth would be yeah I mean eh, it's hard to say it's hard oh to say. I haven't seen Nebraska or Philomena so that's not fair Philomena was <laughs> a happy surprise for me Philomena was actually a happy surprise for me I, it didn't have much kind of traction coming in as far as the other awards award shows and uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot and it was like I went to sleep with my mother at Thanksgiving it was her favorite movie that she's seen in a long time and I think it was kind of missold a little bit in the commercials and even the trailer I mean, you can tell it's a serious subject, but I think they they highlighted the comedy a bit. I mean, it seems like it's going to be one of those British dry comedies. It's not really a comedy in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> I mean, her character does some, you know, has some amusing takes on things on and all the way through, but it's a very serious subject, and it's a very serious movie, but it was kind of packaged as this, oh, it's a fun little British comedy with this little old lady, and it's, um, no. 
much more. But I'm glad it made a cut because it's, 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 it's a good flick. I liked it. So what do you think about snubs this year? The only one I could come up with off the top of my head was Inside Lewin Davis, which, you know, again, seems like, as soon as I saw the trailer, I thought, well, that'll get 20 awards. Um, right, and, and that divided a lot of critics and, and viewers, but, I mean, the Cullen Brothers have been on a run where now, now that they've won their Academy Award-winning directors, which I think is just a trip and a half, uh, you know, now it's kind of every one of their movies was kind of almost expected to make the cut, and it didn't. And I I mean, I liked it. I like Inside Lewin, Lewin, Lewin Davis, but uh, I under, kind of understand why people balked at it a little bit. I keep critics. saying Llewellyn, by the way. I don't know if you do that. I find myself saying Llewellyn yeah, a lot. Yeah, I do too. It's, it's Llewellyn. That's the first time I had ever heard the, or seen that telling of a name. Yeah. I yeah. yeah I don't know <laughs> if it's made up or what. In the film, they say it's Welsh. Yeah, I, I mean, that's really the only one that stands out. Are there any other personal favorites you guys had this year that you think you would have either expected to see make the cut or really liked to have seen make the cut? I don't know about expected, but I mean, Fruitvale Station was a little independent one that did, it's gotten some independent spirit award nominations, that kind of stuff, but didn't uh, get any Oscar nominations. And it would have been good, not neat to see it there and interesting and a better kind of mix a little bit than what they've got. But it's all right. I mean, Dallas Buyers Club is, I guess, kind of that movie book because it has a movie star and maybe a more, it's about AIDS and I don't know. It just seems like that was more likely to make the cut, and it did, and it should because it's got you know two two acting nominations that are probably going to be favorites. So, but the Fruitvale Station was really good. Um, I personally liked Ben Stiller's oh, Walter, Walter Mitty, but that I, I think it just I don't know what happened with that one, but uh, I don't know if it was awards worthy necessarily. I think it's a really good movie. I really enjoyed it. Anything, Mark, that caught your eye that you're kind of sad to see? Well, not really. I mean, uh, the weird thing is, for the most part, I like the nominated films and things, but for some reason this year, once again, maybe my personal thing, but I don't think so. I, I just thought they were all good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. except for Gravity is the only one I think is better. But I mean, I, I they kind of leave me... I mean, they're good, but... They're just kind of leaving me uh, underwhelmed or something. I, I don't know why. I like them all, but I, you know, and I recommend them to be watched. But I, I would tell somebody, uh, you know, uh, if they did, didn't see them, uh, you know, there's, there's other movies that if you haven't seen. I mean, everybody wants to watch the, the movies this year and be up to date, and they want to watch them first. Actually, I, I know how that was. I boy, I was doing that a lot when I in the seventies, eighties, and you know when I was going out to the movies more. But no, I don't think so. Um, the act of killing. I, there's no way. There's no way they're going to nominate a documentary for best. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, you know, I don't think we'll ever see a documentary nominated for best picture. You have to make it fifteen. <laughs> well, what's interesting, I mean, in the years past, you guys have definitely had, both of you, frankly, a little more like, oh, yeah, I wish this had gone, I wish that had gone. It, I, I, I kind of agree with Mark there. Uh, I just, I do feel like there's just a lot of pretty good films, and there's just a big mash of them, and I just, I don't feel that strongly about most of them. Yeah. And again, I don't really, there's, I can't think of anything either that I thought, oh, boy, that really, that, that could have made it, you know? Well, my, my three favorites, you know, were American Hustle, Gravity, and Her, they all made it, so I was pretty happy. So you're happy, yeah. But as for, like, just this Oscar bait idea, I mean, you know, 12 Years a Slave and Dallas Buyers Club, I guess, are Oscar bait, and even Captain Phillips, I guess, are considered... Serious Oscar movie, bait. capital S, capital but, M. Yeah. I mean, also, um, some of the snubs that, you know, I don't think deserve to be there, but could have been in years past with things like uh, The Butler, or should I say Lee Daniels, The Butler. Probably good to not there, but in previous years might have been. And that's the kind of thing that's Oscar bait, and they go, oh, roll their eyes, and those didn't make it, which I think should be noticed as well, that you're not looking at Saving Mr. Banks or yeah, Lee Daniels, true. The Butler. And, you know, just in general, and uh, I mean, people forget kind of the Oscar bait that doesn't make the cut every year, everyone forgets about, and then everyone says, oh, Oscar bait, always gets Oscar bait, Oscar bait, Oscar bait. But, I mean, the book he, I... The Fifth Estate, The Counselor, 
Diana, all these things that, you know, were prestige projects that at the time, oh, Oscar bait, Oscar bait, and they were all dogs, dogs and duds and nobody cares. And Please use the full title, though. It's uh, Lee Daniels the Butler based on the novel Push by Sapphire. you got to get the yeah. whole thing in there. Sometimes I just feel totally uh, out of what people are talking about because I don't think I've ever used the phrase Oscar bait in my life. I've never had either. I think it's I understand it. It's, right. it's, it's, it's really come into vogue in the last, I don't know, decade, 15 years. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. I know. I, I read everybody else using it. Once people yeah. made prediction a game, they, yeah, it became, yeah, they started looking for trends and, you know, serious subject right. matter. And, and it's not saying there's anything wrong with that. It's just a, a short, you know, term little nickname. It seems like you don't have to discuss the movie if you just call it Oscar bait. <laughs> that's, that's sometimes true. Yeah, I guess it goes back to what I was suggesting earlier about, you know, um, dealing with serious subject matter and having trouble parsing out the serious subject matter from the quality of the film, which is, I don't know if you should. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe maybe that decision counts in the movie's favor, so to speak. Um, but I, I always I always find it hard to tell how, how much I enjoyed the movie and how much I was moved by what it was about, uh, in, in the sense that, you know, you said earlier they never no- nominated a documentary, but films that, you know, are not technically documentaries but get the same sort of emotional power as a documentary for being based on a true story uh, get nominated all the time. So it seems like yeah. they, li- they like things that, that have that verisimilitude, but don't literally have it. They want something that walks right up to that line. Yeah, well, documentaries don't have it either, but oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's another... A fine topic. point, a fine point. Uh, okay, so we've already talked a lot about director just by talking about the Best Picture nominees. We can just run through it real quick, I guess. David O. Russell, this is three films in a row he's been nominated for Best Director, and those came in just four years. So he's making a habit of this. Tons of acting nominations, plenty of Best Director nominations. Alfonso, uh, is it Cuaron? Is that, is that right? I'm terrible at this. Quaron, yes, um, and I guess I guess he's the runaway favorite here. We should just say up front, and I really don't see how he couldn't be because, you know, usually it's really weird for a Best Picture nominee, especially one of the favorites, to not be nominated for screenplay. And I feel like this is sort of their acknowledgement that you know this is all the directing. This is a technical masterpiece. He's the reason this is a great film, and I guess that's why he's the favorite. I think the Screenwriters Guild nominated it, though. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's you. Once again, I I think it's the best film of the year. So uh, obviously, I must think that there's something good about the script. So why they don't nominate it because uh, it's all technical, you guys, you say or something. I don't think they really got together and 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 said, "Well, this is how we're going to vote." First of all. So it's just the way it is. Uh, you remember, the nom- and remember also that each of the of the branches nominates their branch. So directors nominate the directors. Right. Voting is a different thing, but as far as nominating, the directors are the ones who the working directors in the guild are the ones, who, and the retired directors in, in the academy are the ones who looked at it and said, "Wow, okay, right. <laughs> I can't do that." Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, exactly. Um, Steve McQueen uh, obviously directed 12 Years a Slave not a long career before this relatively new on the scene lots of short films I think one of them I looked up was as short as a minute long at one point um, um, so th- he's yeah n- new guy uh, I don't know what to make of his directorial style um, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued 12 Years a Slave lots of long lingering shots that go on uncomfortably long frankly which is probably the point interesting choice I guess uh, I don't really have a strong opinion about him either way though but I guess he's still a pretty young guy and pretty new And he's 44 He's not that young. He's just new on the scene. He's just this is his. These are his first three movies: uh, Hunger, Shame, and Twelve Years a Slave are his first three movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, which all star, all star uh, Michael. Yeah, Fassi. actor du jour. Twelve Years a Slave is definitely his best. And Scorsese, of course, with his eighth nomination for Best Director, which uh, passes Woody, ties Wilder, and they're all still chasing what, William Wyler, I think it is, uh, which is they're probably not going to catch because I think he's got 12 or something. Right. Um, kind of amazing. On the other hand, every time I hear something like this, I think, and he's still only got one win. 
um, which just feels like a travesty. And I just and feel like the Departed. I know, I know. Which I love. Which, by the way, I love The Departed, and I think it's one of the most rewatchable movies I've ever seen. I've seen it like twelve times, and I love it. But you're right; it's not his best. It's probably not even his fifth or sixth best. And I just feel like you know he's seventy-one now, which I I noticed the other day and blew my mind. I'm kind of worried that this is just his legacy. Is just they're just going to keep throwing him nominations that he has no chances of winning. Well, I mean, I don't think you can ever count Scorsese. I mean, you never know it. I don't think anyone expected him to to direct a three-hour black comedy, which is basically what Wall Street is. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, he's he's going to keep doing different things, and yeah, I, I wouldn't count him out till he's dead. Well, I do wonder, I mean, the, the films feel like they're getting a little more lighthearted to me, even The Departed was felt kind of like a black comedy at times, you know, and it mm-hmm. felt kind of breezy, you know, like this is him doing what he can do easily, um, even if it's long. And I'm not implying that they're not achievements, but it's, it's not, it doesn't feel as daring to me. I feel like, you know, I don't want to say he's coasting or anything, I just, I just want to say that he's doing films that you know he can just nail every time. And, you know, I hope he still has a couple more risks in him, let's put it that way. I would have said that this was probably a risk. Like like Holden says, when was the last time I mean that you've ever seen a three hour comedy? Well, yeah, I mean it is it is sort of a comedy, but there are also uh, a I few guess ways. some people don't I, I thought it was I thought they should have taken more time and cut it down, but every time I say that the other everybody else gangs up on me as the site and says Oh, I, I laugh for three hours. <laughs> I go, well, I, I guess I should be, uh, you know, taking whatever you're taking then. Cause yeah. I, I, I don't know, know. Yeah, I don't know what I mean, to think. For, I mean, I did laugh, me. but at the other hand, I'm sitting here thinking I've just watched like a 15-minute scene about a guy on Quaaludes or whatever, and I don't, I, I enjoyed it, but it, 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 does, it does seem a little long. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, for me, it was it was like uh, that great bit towards the that great chunk of the end of Goodfellas, uh, that kind of last day before he gets caught, where he's high as a kite and the helicopters are chasing him and he's trying to sell the guns and they don't want the guns and the spaghetti sauce is burning and he's got to pick somebody up at the airport and he's got to see his girlfriend. And it was that kind of pace for three hours, which is exhausting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I enjoyed it. I gotta say. I remember you turned me around on that scene. I didn't like it the first time I saw it, and you, you described why you liked it, and you eventually convinced me. So, well, I think, I think that scene in Goodfellas, I mean, makes you feel what it must be like to be, I don't, I've never been on cocaine and being chased by helicopters, but <laughs> I think that's probably pretty cool. Oh, well, I have. I, I like that you joined have. those two together. You didn't say you hadn't been chased by helicopters, and you didn't say you hadn't been on cocaine. No, you just haven't I, had I, them happen I, simultaneously. Uh, the last nominee, uh, just before we get too far afield, is uh, Alexander Payne, as we mentioned earlier. I didn't see Nebraska, so you guys might have a little more insight than I. I do. Um, I don't know. Did he deserve it? I mean, I'm a fan of his films, but they all feel kind of of a kind, and they don't they don't jump out at you the way uh, Gravity does as a directorial masterpiece. You know, they're closer to David O. Russell in the sense of being an actor showcase, although much more low key, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I, I I liked it. I like I like him. I like the movie. It doesn't have a chance of winning, but I liked it. I'm glad he got the. I mean, I would like to see. Spike Jones in that spot rather than him, but I, I liked that he got the finish and I thought he was good. And, you know, saying his films are of a kind, I mean, you can say that for tons of directors from Woody Allen to sure. on and on and on. So, yes, they're all kind of, you can tell they're Alexander Payne movies, but that's not a bad thing to me. Yeah. No, I actually agree. And one of the things that bugs me, actually, is that a lot of directors, you know, they talk about getting out of their comfort zone and trying something new, and mus- musicians in particular do that. And I always think, why? You know, you're good at this. It's okay to keep being good at this. And I guess he's a really good example of that. Any directorial snubs this year? This one, there might be a few more because there's only five nominees, so I assume there are a couple. I think you already mentioned Spike Jones for her, which I definitely agree with. It was a very well-directed film. Um, and I guess the Coen brothers, although they didn't get a picture nomination, so I guess it's not that big a snub. Still well-made, though. Paul yeah. Greengrass did get the DGA nomination, but did not get the Oscar nomination. Uh, Alexander Payne kind of took his spot on the, at the Oscars, so I guess you can call that a snub uh, if you're a fan of 
Captain Phillips anyway, but having seen the two, I'm, I'm glad Pain rather than Greengrass. Another one that I didn't actually mention for Best Picture snub that I actually liked was, again, Jeff Nichols' uh, Mud. The guy who did mm. Take Shelter and Shotgun Stories. I just love his movies. And I'm not shocked that the Academy kind of isn't on him yet, but uh, I wouldn't be shocked that if in 10 years and a few more movies under his belt, he is. Because I just think he's an excellent director and I just love his movies. Yeah, they're good. I, I like the way you put that catch on. Like, they're a little behind on him. And I agree. Take Shelter is one of my favorite movies of the last decade. I, I saw it again recently, and it just blows me away every time. And I can't recommend it enough to anyone listening, by the way. Um, if you, if you, you, and you need to see it. That's all I can say. Yeah, he uh, comes across as, he seems like he's a very literate filmmaker. I mean, his his visuals, the way he, he presents the movie, almost seems like you're reading a book. Huh. Yeah. That's a really interesting way of putting it. Yeah, he's, he, he's been compared to... Uh, he gets some comparison to Malick, and I think... Yeah. Really so. He's very visual, but uh, he does more kind of genre-based and more... Yeah, the, the actual films themselves seem like they have a, a few psychological kind of things you'd get out of reading a book. So right. he combines Malick with... Uh, and, and they're set in this... Uh, well, I don't, I don't remember now. Uh, Take Shelter wasn't, but, you know, Mud set in the South. Right. And um, was, was Shotgun Stories in the South? Yeah, it was at uh, the South of Texas, somewhere in there. You know, I don't want to call him a um, regionalist. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he could be a, he, he could be the William Faulkner of directors. I don't know. <laughs> right. I like that. That's a good quote. Just for a second, back to director. Um, uh, the other thing about you know directors always is they're going to split with picture, which has has historically not happened a lot. It's happened nine times since uh, 1960, whatever that was, eight with uh, Mike Nichols and The Graduate. It's happened uh, the last two times to Ang Lee, or the last two times just last year, when he went for Life of Pi and the Argo won Best Picture, and then uh, Brokeback Mountain and Crash. So it doesn't happen a lot. It kind of went through a, a, a run there in the late 90s, early 2000s, where it happened more than it had. But it doesn't happen a lot. So if Alfonso Cuaron is the odds-on favorite to win Best Director, that you would think that would give Gravity a little more of a push over 12 Years of Slave, but it's certainly not unheard of to have a split. And if you guys had to pick, you'd, you'd expect that split again this year? I think because of the type of picture Gravity is, that it's so director-heavy, if you will, that it's so obviously directed, uh, and so that's the achievement, that the rewarding, that there, there is a, probably a halfway decent chance that you could see a split this year, either with American Hustle or 12 Years a Slave. Okay, uh, moving on to Best Actor. I think we have to accept that we're all just living in the year of McConaughey. I mean, it's, he's, I mean, he's got this small role in The Wolf of Wall Street. Good role, though. He's great in it. Um, obviously, he's nominated for Best Actor, and I think he's the odds-on favorite there, too. And he's probably going to get an Emmy nomination for True Detective. I don't know if either, either of you guys are watching that. but Yeah, and he's, and he's the star of Mud, which we was a tweet. Yeah, that's right. About, so know, he's, he's killing it. Like, this is it. This is the year every actor dreams of, you know. And, and not only that, but he's another one of those guys who... You know, maybe you didn't take that seriously once upon a time. Um, who's right. just kind of forcing you to all at once? Uh, I guess it's kind of started with Magic Mike a little bit, right? I saw some website. I won't take credit for it because I saw some website. The McConaughey. The McConaughey, the McConaughey. <laughs> which I think is great. Yeah, I mean, the last two years from uh, Magic Mike, which was you know in some ways a very McConaughey performance, very you know, that per- persona and shirtless and the whole thing, but took it up a notch, and really, but with some drama underneath, it's a Soderbergh movie. It got some if, respect, If you've yeah. avoided seeing Magic Mike because you think it's just for women to watch uh, Trent and Kingdom Dance, it's, it's a solid flick, I, I really liked it. But from that, he was also in The Paperboy that year, and uh, Killer Joe, Bernie, The Lincoln Lawyer was just before that, so he had kind of a good run then, and then last year, I mean this year, yeah, he was just, he was just on a really good run, and really getting rid of that reputation of just being like, all right, all right, all right, from 
from bad romantic comedies and action movies, and he's really it's kind of surprising. And I see him in True Detective, and it's like, damn. He's really good. Yeah, why didn't you decide to do this <laughs> ten years ago, man? Right, and maybe well, because he was, were, and he was so offered. he was so young and he was so fit and he was making so much money. You know, he probably didn't get a lot of scripts that called for much more at that time. Whether he was looking for them, I don't know. He probably certainly didn't get offered them. I doubt. You know, Martin Scorsese was thinking you know, fifteen years ago, who, who who's that kid from Days and Confused? Get me him. But here he is, and he's older and. Uh, yeah, he's still got the washboard abs, and he's still a little bit of a space cadet. I feel a little bad for for Chiwetel, uh, because I feel like, you know, uh, if, if not for McConaughey, this is really his year. I mean, none of the other actors, I feel like, I mean, they're all great, don't get me wrong, DiCaprio, Dern, Bale, but um, I, I thought he was going to sail to this one. And then McConaughey won, what was it, the, uh, the Screen Actors Guild Award, and that's when his odds shot up. Uh, that's when it became pretty obvious that he's probably going to take this home. And, yeah, I feel a little bad for him. I, t- to me, Chiwetel's always going to be the operative from Serenity. <laughs> I, you know, I'm a big fan right. of his, but I've always liked him. He's always seemed like he could do bigger and better things, and now he finally has, and I feel like he just kind of ran into the year of McConaughey. Yeah, McConaughey also won the Golden Globe as well with Bag. so, he, yeah. Yeah, uh, but uh, as as I've said, I don't want to beat it at a horse or whatever, at least from my opinion. He uh, He really underplays it, so... It's not like it's a showy part. Uh, this is not Pacino in the seventies, exactly. This is this. He's not overacting at any point, right? I mean, it's good, but he, like everybody's so moved by it. I I don't get it. I wasn't. I wasn't. I'm. I'm just. No. Well, I mean, I I, I will say uh, a lot. I know a lot of people who felt that way through most of the film, and then feel like at the end, you know, he sort of brings it home. But but you're right. It's an understated performance, and I think that makes the movie better. But it doesn't necessarily make his performance more impressive. It's sort of a sacrifice, really. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think that's just. I think you know, I haven't read the the actual narrative, but I mean, I think that's how this man who, I mean, imagine that, not someone who was kind of taken, you know, on the ship and all the, you know, kind of almost conditioned for the horror in a way, but someone who had had his freedom for yeah. his whole life yeah. and then thrown into this nightmare. It's, I mean, how, I guess he could have wailed at the moon and thrown stuff and gotten shot the second day, but I think uh, his rational brain and the choice that Chiwetel took was just to say, all right, the way I'm going to get through this is that I will just bide my time, and if it takes two months or it takes 12 years, I'm going to get through this, and and I will persevere. I'll get back to my life. And uh, that doesn't make for dynamic scenes of howling at the moon and and tears running down his face. Oh, I I don't want him howling at the moon. um, This might be be a slight uh, thing away from the best actor. This might be long more, more in the best director, Part. Uh, I just was wondering, uh, I was going to ask Holden, what he thought of the other two uh, McQueen movies. Because I'm just wondering if, if his performance has more to do with directorial choice than um, acting. I mean, I know the actor and director got together, but McQueen's other movies are about some really out there, in-your-face kind of subject, but in a lot of ways, the acting is kind of subdued uh, at times. When well, but also both, again, I think because of the characters. I mean, being in prison and being <laughs> the sex addict who has to keep this, this faith uh, through the day of, of being, you know, a, a businessman and nothing's going wrong, uh, but then having this weird sex addiction and this mania. I mean, I think that he just, all three of these have been very interior people. <laughs> Just it's just the way it's been so far. Whether that's the kind of material he's attracted to, or this is what he's always going to do, or it's just been luck of the draw these first three. That uh, I don't know, but I think I think his directorial style is pretty flat in a lot of ways. It's, I mean, 
compared to someone like David O. Russell or Scorsese who do all these camera tricks and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't do any of that, but I don't know that that's bad. I mean, I think they were appropriate for all three of those characters and all three of those stories. Well, he chooses subject matter that don't, doesn't really allow his actors to do the showy performance. Uh, I will well, say, he, but he does choose subject matter that's really in your face, and then it's kind of like you're there kind of saying, what am I watching? I mean, what, what is the point of this? Right, um, very, right, very how, very how am I supposed to feel it? about it? I, the first two movies, I just was pretty much felt like I uh, just wanted to get, get it over with. I, <laughs> I well, expected hard to, to watch. To react. Sure. You know, I, I, you know, I, I couldn't really react. I, I couldn't do anything. This movie, I kind of had to react because of the, the subject matter was a little more universal. But I still was kind of left with, you know, is that all I'm supposed to feel? I mean. I'll just shut up because I'm beating a dead horse. No, <laughs> Thirty Rock. Thirty Rock feels the same way. I remember their character Tracy Jordan was in a uh, an Oscar bait film called Hard to Watch, based on the book Stone Cold Bummer. I think it was. Uh, a lot of these films, yeah, even if they're potent, they are difficult to watch. And you know, I, I again, I don't know how to parse that out. I will say one thing in its in its defense, though, which is, I thought it was interesting that his character Solomon Northup he starts to do what we're talking about he starts to assert his his freedom in a grand William Wallacey sort of way and he gets just smacked down immediately right and he realizes immediately if I do this I will be dead within minutes if not days right and I like the playing with the expectations which is you expect it's going to be that kind of film about uh, about something like slavery and then uh, it's just you, the reality of the film just says no that doesn't work you're not going to do that I don't know if that's a good choice or not but I, I do like that they acknowledge sort of up front what they were doing by showing you the kind of movie it could have been and then showing you the consequences for the character if they'd gone that way Right. Um, I don't really know if there's a whole lot else to say about actor, you know, DiCaprio. I thought DiCaprio was great. I mean, I thought he was hilarious. I think he was, I, and more than any movie, showed that he was really a good physical comedian, which I wouldn't have thought. He's never won before. If it wasn't McConaughey's year, I wouldn't be shocked to hear his name called. I mean, I don't know. We've talked about this in years past about these guys, these these Brad Pitts and George Clooney's and Leonardo DiCaprio's that we on the surface we would all love to hate because they've got the yeah. world in the palm of their hands, but they're so talented. DiCaprio back in his Titanic days, I hated the guy. I don't like Titanic even to this day, but but he just he won me over in the years that followed, especially with Catch Me If You Can and films like that. And I just realized what range he had, and then in Departed, I just I just gave I gave up completely. I said that's it. I love this man, and you're right. He's just he's he's watchable, and I, I like the observation about physical comedy because there was a lot of in that film and yeah I just feel like I feel like he can do anything at this point the other thing I remember about DiCaprio DiCaprio is actually hard to believe but he's 39 years old now <sighs> he got started so young how old was he in What's Eating Gilbert Grape what was he like 20 I mean is 19 I guess 19 jeez yeah maybe yeah. maybe yeah he got started young he's one of those guys who managed not to destroy his life despite achieving fame at a young age and when those guys manage to get back on their feet or stick around they end up doing some really incredible things not that and it usually took, happens. And they took different paths, obviously, because Titanic changed everything for him. But Christian Bale is also 39, so they're both the same age. Yeah. Both started child actors. Bale even started younger than DiCaprio. Empire of the Sun, yeah, right? Empire of the Sun. And here they are. Here they are. Yeah, achieving you know all the things that you would hope they would achieve when they have that level of success at a young age. We always say the that about... The on the other end of the spectrum is Bruce Dern, who I'm uh, just... He's just great. He's been great forever. And uh, I, you know, I'm not going to win, but I, I just... I'm kind of... Back in my heart, I'm just hoping. You're just hoping. If the gets yeah, called, I, it would be so cool. What's it been? A few decades since he's been nominated for anything. This is pretty much only the second time, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's coming home was the only other nominee. But he's been great for forever. He's just always fun. And this, and this, you guys haven't seen it, but it's a very still interior performance. Which you know, if you look at some of his earlier work, which was very energetic and. Uh, oh yeah, 
I mean, uh, he, was, yeah, he was always very psycho and crazy guys and very funny people. I think he was very, very small interior performance yeah. in a lot of ways, but it's very it just it's just great. He's just wonderful. Stern's great in uh, Hush Hush Sweet Charlotte uh, when his head uh, gets chopped off. <laughs> yep. Spoiler alert! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, that's the first five minutes. Yeah, I just watched uh, Dern. I didn't realize I watched Elia Kazan's Wild River the other day, and he's, there he is in that. That was yeah. his first performance, apparently uncredited. I'm sitting there going, that's Bruce Dern, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> he's got the teeth and everything. Yeah, and, then, and you say playing psychos. I guess he's got that hair, he's got the eyes. He just looks like a crazy person. Oh, I watched Black Sunday recently, too, again. Yeah. Which I always thought he was really good in that. Yeah. But I want to see him as a, a real uh, quiet, reflective kind of person. Yeah, in a way, it's, uh, what, did you guys either of you watch Big Love, the HBO show? A little bit, yeah. No. Yeah, he, was, he was Bill Paxton's father in that. And it's similar in that way that he's, you know, decrepit and can't physically do much. But, I mean, that character was very funny and, and odd and really strange in, the, in, the, uh, in Big Love. This one's, uh, the, the comedy kind of comes around him. It's kind of, it's, it's Jane Squibb, who we'll talk about later, she really kind of steals the movie comedically. But he's very, he's just, he's, it's a really good performance. It sounds like you guys would really like to see him pull off an upset here. I, I, I wouldn't be upset at all. I mean, I would not be heartbroken if McConaughey didn't win and Bruce Well, it. yeah, since I haven't seen it, I can't really say. But yeah, McConaughey, at the rate he's going, he's, he might pile up a bunch of nominations. And again, yeah, he he's going, be- if, he, if, if McConaughey keeps picking this kind of material or these kind of scripts keep coming his way, yeah, there's no feeling on this. It's not like he's going to stop making, I hope he doesn't make, you know, How to Lose a Guy in 20 Days next year. <laughs> I, hope he, I hope he keeps making these kinds of movies. I hope he's got enough money from those earlier romantic comedies and Sahara and all that stuff that's just forgettable. I hope I hope he's got a pile of cash from that and now he can just do these kinds of movies for the rest of his life. It'd be great. And hopefully he has a taste for it now. You know, yeah. now, now that he knows that the, the the critical community is receptive to the idea of him t- doing more serious things, uh, last yeah. nominee is Christian Bale. You know, great performance. Like I said, just felt I really felt like I was watching De Niro. That's not exactly a compliment. It's also not exactly an insult. Um, but you know, good performance. Probably shouldn't win. Probably won't win. I would think. Right, and he and he did the. Uh, no one's really done the Raging Bull physical transformation in one movie the way De Niro did to go from completely physically fit to way out of shape but I mean he, he kind of did it over <laughs> over his career now I'm not really know. sure that Christian Bale even likes acting so much as he likes binge dieting and binge eating because he just goes <laughs> back and forth from Batman to the machinist to this it's like I think he just I mean, likes Batman, it he's, he's so super cut and then in uh, yeah, the machinist I mean it's frightening how thin he got it's hard and to watch he's yeah. this, he's, there he is <laughs> The, um, oh man, it's great. I don't know if I'm the only one, but I, I thought Christian Bale's acting and probably why he got the nomination came together in that, that last scene where he's you know, he's telling um uh Cooper, you know, uh, well you don't really wanna say this and you don't wanna yeah. you don't wanna let on like this. I mean the way he explains it to him is and he's kind of explaining it to the audience too at that time. I thought that was masterful acting, really. Yeah, I think between the physical stuff, especially the opening scene with putting on the <laughs> putting the comb over together. <laughs> oh yeah, and Cooper bats it around. <laughs> There's some of the snubs there. But I mean, I mean, there are best actors. One of those that's always overflowing because you know most movies have male central characters, so there's always 
snubs here. And, I mean, for me, the, the top one would be Joaquin Phoenix and her. I mean, to just, I don't think many people could have pulled that off or even attempted to do it. Yeah, he has one of those, I, I hate to sound like an old-timey Hollywood producer, but he's got it, baby. You know, like, he's just got that thing where he's just sort of walking around doing ordinary things, and for some reason it's kind of captivating. You know, the reading the phone book thing, they say. I, I feel like he's one of the few actors that's just sort of inherently interesting. Um, and uh, that's the kind of guy you need for a movie like that, which is an odd but strangely captivating movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a great performance. I would also say I didn't I didn't mention it when you were talking about films, but of the other ones that were nominated besides Gravity, probably hers my favorite. The one I would tell people, at least some people, because people at the site they're bad mouthing it left and right, and can come up with reasons why <laughs> it's a why it's a dark, horrible horror movie. And it's not really the. There's nothing uh, hopeful about it, and and it's overdone, and it's this and that. It's ridiculous, and I go. What? I'm not really sure what movie you watched. Yeah, it's a little more. I wouldn't call it a happy movie exactly, but it's it's complicated. Let's put it that way. Uh, I thought it was yeah. very emotional, which was which was so great about it. I mean, you hear the premise when you heard the premise a months ago, or the trailer first came out. You go, oh, what is that going to be? And then it, it turns out to be very emotional. Which you know, I kind of trusted in Spike Jones that it would be odd and weird and wonderful, and, and sure enough, that's what it is. Well, and I, and I like. I'm just intrigued by any sort of you know futurist type film. You know, like that, that makes an honest attempt to to. to uh, show what, what 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 technology might actually look like in 15 right. years, and I actually feel like it really no, nailed fine, that. no flying cars, no laser beams, but right, right. But I I actually think it's intelligence. it's come closer than most, you know, with the yeah. sort of leather bound cell phone kind of thing. I, I do think that's actually where it's headed, and I, yeah, I, I, lo- I, can, I can never wear my 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 pants that high. No. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't become in vogue. Yeah, everyone was kind of dressed a little unusually, um, you know, a lot of top button collars with no with no ties and things like that. So maybe not in a fashion sense. Maybe our fashion won't have progressed to that point. But I, these things become a little self fulfilling. A lot of people have said, "Oh, look at how Minority Report predicted, you know, gesture based." technology and i think well predicted maybe caused a little bit too you know i mean these things captivate us and i wouldn't be surprised if one of hers bigger legacies actually has nothing to do with movies that it has a lot to do with technology and where it heads right yeah then some of the other snubs that just some of the i mean tom hanks for captain phillips you know he's and saving mr banks i guess because well, Mr. Banks, I think they were trying to get in as a, as a supporting performance of how they're attempting that, and they're going to break it up for him this year. And he didn't get either. Oscar Isaac for Inside Llewellyn Davis. Llewellyn Davis. That's the big yeah. one. Yeah, see, see I, now you're doing it too, Llewellyn. I, because yeah. Llewellyn was the name of the character in No Country for Old Men, right? Uh, Michael B. Jordan had no chance for Fruitvale Station, but he's really good, and he's going to be an actor who I'm sure is going to be a star pretty soon. Uh, Edith Elba in uh, Mandela and Forrest Whitaker in The Butler. I mean, Forrest was the one before, but that movie just didn't get anything by the time the Oscars rolled around. And Robert Redford, who actually complained in the press that uh, his <laughs> that the studio didn't do enough to promote his movie, and that's why he didn't get a nomination, which, you know. I, I kind of think he's right. I mean, I run a movie website, and I, don't, and I only just heard about it. It's also just a full category of year, and there's always snubs in Best Actor. I can't think of any year where there hasn't been two or three to say, oh, those three could have easily have been one of the five. Yeah, uh, people... People often see a lot of these snubs in um, certain categories, especially actor, because now they got they got nine films nominated. So they're saying, "Well, how can you nominate the film if you don't nominate the actor?" Well, because we nominated more films. <laughs> That's a good point. That's an excellent point. And Robert Robert Redford's only had one uh, Oscar nomination as actor in his entire career. Yeah, and I I would have given it to Paul Newman for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, but that's a good piece of trivia. You could win a couple bar bets with that one. I'll bet. 
So you were you were mentioning earlier that you know actors obviously Hollywood little little male heavy you know there are a lot lot more stories about men than women and one of the other things we've talked about in years past that sort of feeds into that I don't want to say misogyny exactly but let's face it it's not it's not exactly even um, and one of the things uh, uh, that feeds into that is that uh, a lot of the best actress winners are just really young you know a lot of young women older men you know a lot you'll see a lot of films with a fifty year old male lead and a thirty year old uh, female lead and there's you know there's significant others and nobody bats an eye right. Um, and I was looking at the the ages of um, 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 the, some of the best actress winners in years past. I'll just run through them real quick. Uh, starting with Helen Hunt, uh, 34, 25. Uh, that was Hilary Swank. Gwyneth Paltrow, 26. Julia Roberts was 33. Halle Berry, 35. Kidman, 35. Theron, 28. Swank, 30. Witherspoon, 29. Helen Mirren, one, you know, 61. There's an exception. Uh, Marion Cotillard, 32. Winslet, 33. Bullock, 45. Portman, 29. Streep, 62. And Jennifer Lawrence, 22. Um, but this year it's a little different. The youngest nominee is Amy Adams, and you've got Judy Dench, who is the, I think, the fourth oldest Best Actress nominee in history, and she's also the seventh and eighth, by the way. You know, I kind of like this. You know, I like that it's going against that that trend a little bit because, you know, th- those were all great performances in their own right too. But it just it, it it it's a little overt. You know, how many incredibly young women win at the expense of the older women roles, which, as you point out, both of you pointed out, there just aren't many of those anymore. Well, I think what tends to happen in general is. So on the male side, you kind of have to make your bones a while. You have to put in your years before. I mean, there are Richard Dreyfuss and Adrian Brody. People have won very young. But generally, it's people who have been around for a while. It's their third nomination or what gets some travesties like Newman, where he's been nominated seven or eight times and finally wins. I mean, there tends to be that partially because there's, there's so many more roles for best actor, great roles for men. But there's that ingenue thing where there tends to be, oh, she's, you don't see that too much happen with the male actor where, oh, he's the the actor of the moment, he wins the best actor because he's up against De Niro and whoever the, the guys have been doing it for 30 years, whereas the women can take that, that spotlight for a few years and go, oh, there's Natalie Portman, oh, there's Jennifer Lawrence, there's whoever, where that, it's hard to do that as a guy because there's so many good roles even when you're in your 60s and 70s for men. There's a reason there's the phrase the it girl and there's no it guy. You know, yeah. Right. Uh, if you're if you're a young woman, you 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 can be. It's a little more flash in the pan, but you can also achieve that success much faster, and then it's gone again because of the age thing and and just how many how few roles there are. But this year it's kind of in the middle, though. I'm like I said, most of them are are uh, they're all at least 39. Amy Adams, great job, right. I thought. You know, fantastic. But Kate Blanchett is going to win this. It just it sounds like there's really no question about it. And that's her. Uh, let's see, her fifth nomination. I think her first time as the lead, though. No. No, no, she's both of the Elizabeth, uh, the Elizabeth movies. Sorry, I should say she, she hasn't won as the lead, is what I mean to say. Um, okay. And okay. Is, is this the first, how about this, how about this, is the first time she's nominated as the lead for playing someone other than Queen Elizabeth. That's true. <laughs> and it sounds like she's going to win. She's, I mean, she's remarkable. I, I really think she's one of the best actresses of her generation, and it, it sounds like there's no drama in this, really. I don't see how, who's going to win otherwise. I don't, it's, they all have to get together and then uh, be a, an evil plot, something out of Eyes Wide uh, Shut. No, open. With Streep actually winning last year, I think she's got basically zero chance. I mean, if she was still in that position where she hadn't won since uh, Sophie's Choice, even though it's not that great a movie, August Osage County, it's, you know, it's very, it's like a lot of those adapted plays. It's, it feels very much like a play, and they can't do much to open it up, and it just... She hurls insults, uh, insults with the best of them, though. 
Oh, yeah. And, it's, and that's the thing. I mean, the, the thing that's in all the trailers, most of the commercials, is when she's, you know, being very mean in the dinner scene. And, of course, you know, what really gets to the Oscars is when you see her with her dementia and with her wig off and really no vanity. But uh, she was just not going to win this year. A lot of people were surprised she was even nominated. I mean, I guess they just felt like, you know, how often can we do this? It is a little conspicuous, and it goes to what we've been saying about, you know, not having as many female roles, particularly older female roles. It's, it's a, it really speaks to that, that she's been nominated so often, which is not to say she isn't brilliant, but she's brilliant in a smaller field, and that's why she's well, just she also, there. Well, if you have somebody who's over 50, and you've got the role, and you've got a decent script, who do you think the first person they send it to is? Yeah, yeah. It's Meryl Streep, and they're just waiting for all the other actresses to get old enough for those roles. <laughs> for the Hillary Swanks and, or Sandra Bullock or whatever the world, you know, just wait around, wait 30 years for Jennifer Lawrence to hit 50-something, and then maybe. Right. But you're right, that's, the, that's where your mind goes. Although I guess Julia Roberts is gunning to be that person. Yeah, I mean, she, she hasn't, I mean, Meryl works constantly. I mean, like her, I love her. I mean, like her, I hate her. She she works constantly. I mean, she's in one or two movies every year, year in year out. And uh, Julia's really taken a lot of time off recently, and that's you know fine, good for her. This is a little bit of a comeback for her in that sense, uh, one of the supporting actress. But you know, Meryl's just going to keep cranking it out. She's got 18 nominations overall now, 15 as Best Actress. I mean, she'll just keep going until she drops dead. I wonder if that's actually a product of the lack of roles, too, that if you're if you're an actress on top of the world like Julia Roberts has been, and I, this actually happened with Helen Hunt, too. You just say, you know, there just there isn't enough out there, and rather than do a lot of films that I don't particularly want to do, I'll just sort of step back for a while and wait until something comes along. Men don't necessarily have to make that choice. Well, also the society is still set up the way that, you know, if you want to have children and have a family, more likely that the woman is going to take years off to do that from her career, even if her career is something as fun and cool as acting and you only have to work, you know, two or three months at a time to just take years off. And a man might have the same family, might have the same drive, but he'll, he'll leave for three months. I am optimistic, though, that, that we have enough great young actresses now that in another decade or two we're not going to have to have this conversation. Yeah, you would think with Kate, with Blanchett and Adams and uh, Jennifer Lawrence alone, I mean, those three you would think will keep plugging away for decades. Yeah, if I had to pick somebody to be the Meryl Streep of the next generation, I'm kind of thinking it's Kate Winslet still. Yeah, I mean, she's, she's always going to be there, too. And keeping busy uh, is a big part of it, sure. Uh, any other thoughts on Best Actress? Any snubs that stand out, or is that... And, Judy uh, Dench was wonderful. I mean, she. I, mean, like I said, I, I really like that movie. I'm glad I got Best Picture nomination. And uh, she's fantastic. I mean, boy, you want to talk about film acting. I mean, there's scenes in that where she's just... It's all that just cinema acting where it's just close up on her face and you can see every thought that's going through her head and every emotion. And it's just fantastic stuff. Uh, the film doesn't have enough traction for her to win and not against when Blanchett and Adams are there, but I mean, she's really just fantastic. And Bullock, you know, in another year to have that kind of performance where she's, you know, Clooney's there for a little bit and had astronauts before they get blown up. But I mean, to basically be a one-hander like that and carry it, uh, you know, in another year, if, if she hadn't, especially if she hadn't already won one, who knows? But uh, yeah, I think it's just too full a year. I mean, I like, yeah, I liked her. I liked her fine in, in the Blind Side. It was a good role, but uh, I definitely think she's better here. And I think you're right. If she hadn't won for that, uh, she'd be maybe yeah, giving Blind a run I didn't for a really like the Blind Side, and I think, but I think her performance in Gravity, partially just because of the the way the movie's structured and how well it's directed, I think even people who have not liked Sandra Bullock for her entire career. <laughs> there there <laughs> are some of them, yeah. really liked her in this <laughs> because she was really compelling and the story's really compelling, and she did a really good job. I don't think there's many too, way, too many ways to say that, but I think it's just too full a year, just, uh, just one of those luck of the draw year-wise for her. Amy Adams, I mean, this is her 
um, first nomination is Best Actress, but fifth overall. Junebug was the first, right? Yeah, and that's what I mean. I still it still annoys me she didn't win it for Junebug. Good, little, I, good I, little movie. That's, that's the movie like like Take Shelter that I keep saying everyone every year go back and see Junebug. She is so freaking good in that movie. Yeah, she is. It's a weird little movie, but man, she should have won for that thing. But you know, she'll she'll keep coming back again and again and again. She'll she'll win one of these years. It's probably not going to be this year. Although if they if they give given a, a special Oscar for breath. <laughs> well, they, oh, boom, oh, did a real good in this movie, man. Yeah, well, Seth MacFarlane seemed to have been lobbying for one last year, wasn't he? So why not? Yeah. Be a, you know what? The way the way some of these award shows are going, it wouldn't shock me if in twenty years we have that. Why not? <laughs> I was quite surprised that uh, Emma Thompson didn't get nominated. Yes, but, uh, yeah. And the that was one... almost a foregone conclusion too. I thought, but... right? And I think that movie kind of got a little bit of backlash right there at the end, and uh, I think it just. It's not complete shock to me, but yeah, I mean, I don't know who took her spot. I guess Meryl Streep took her spot, theoretically. Um, yeah, I think that the consensus, yeah, is that people were surprised that Streep was nominated and very surprised that Thompson wasn't. One of the one of the performances I really loved this year that had zero chance of getting nominated, but I really loved was uh, Greta Gerwig and Francis Ha, which I just thought was fantastic. Well, sometimes you get this thing where, you know, uh, something like that almost gets nominated, and that's really just the one that catches people's eye, and then the next time they watch a little closer, you know, it just kind of puts you on the map, and I'm kind of wondering if that's the case here, you know. Blanchett won the, won the SAG and the Golden Globe for drama, and Amy Adams won the Golden Globe for comedy, so if you want to use those expectations. If you want to use those, yeah. Uh, best Supporting Actor, probably less drama here than, well, drama in terms of who's going to win. Uh, less drama here than in almost any other category. I think of the acting ones, this is the one that's the, the biggest of the foregone conclusions. This one, I, Jared, I Leto. Jared Leto does not win this one. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it seems like it. You know, serious subject matter. And I just, I got to be honest, I like I like all the, the nominees, but um, I, I mean, I didn't think Fassbender was uh, unbelievable. You know, I didn't think Bradley Cooper was unbelievable. I haven't seen Captain Phillips yet. Uh, Jonah Hill. <laughs> I like Jonah Hill, but who in the Academy does he have pictures of? Like, I don't I don't get this. And Moneyball, he's good, but I think we were all a little surprised and a little chagrined that maybe he got that. Um, and he's, he's he's better in this. He's, he's excellent, but I'm still shocked that he's been nominated again. Two-time Academy Award nominee Jonah Hill? Yeah. Well, I guess they really like his teeth. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a, you see a, let's, I, what I assume is the as a prosthetic in the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, yeah. um, let's assume, you know, for all he our might have another. He might have another prosthetic in that jerk-off scene, too, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, he does. He does. It's actually not his, <laughs> uh, not his penis. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I verified it personally. Not his penis. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like. I, I feel bad for saying this because I like Jonah Hill a lot, and I think he's really good in both, and I think he's particularly good in The Wolf of Wall Street. But I just can't figure it out. It just doesn't strike me as Oscar material in either case. Um, more so in this case, I guess. But I, I don't get it. He must for, uh, give enough of the uh, acting branch. Uh, must supply them with enough drugs. <laughs> that it's a little payback, but. Um, no, I, I I don't believe that. I mean, he, you know, the stuff I got from him was pretty good, but um, and I think I think a lot of uh, I think there's a lot of unspoken stuff in a lot of these nominations in any era. A lot of it is if you're a nice guy, a humble guy, <laughs> that they actually genuinely like, it goes a long way. And there are people who have been bastards who are great actors who get nominations, but I think there are people who are super, super nice and super pleasant, and everyone who meets them just genuinely likes them, that maybe get a little bit of boost in that. I think Jonah Hill is one of those guys. Whatever you think of his you know, career and his comedy roles, I think he's just a, a nice, 
sweet guy. I mean, I think he was just a funny guy. And, and frankly, if he would have gotten nomination for uh, for this at the end, I would have been happy. For yeah, that. see, <laughs> he got he got all the votes of that cast. Yeah, the most uh, <laughs> the most powerful demon rape scene in recent memory, right? I I, I like what you're saying though, because I, again, I want to emphasize that it's not that he's not good. It's that you're you're probably right. It's got to be something like that that pushes it from well, this is a pretty good performance, and let's give him a nomination because we like him. Also, this one it's a Scorsese movie, and it's I mean. They like the movie, obviously, enough to nominate it for director and picture. It's a very over-the-top movie. He's the most over-the-top thing in this very over-the-top movie. I mean, it makes sense to me, but I think people just have this idea of what Jonah Hill is in their head, and they think, you know, super bad in these kinds of comedies, and they go, oh, Jonah Hill? But no, no chance of winning. He'll have to be a lead one day or something, I guess. But, I, I mean, this at this point, you kind of got to take him seriously, I guess. Yeah. Uh, any of the other nominees stand out? I mean, like I said, I, I thought Fassbender was pretty good, but uh, just a little... Yeah, I don't think it's Fassbender's best performance. I kind of, uh, it's kind of a shame that this is the first one to <laughs> get an Oscar. I, I know, a little over the top, I thought. You know, he's basically playing just like an outright sadist, um, which, you know, that's what the role calls for, but it, it, it it's a little, it's a little yeah. dramatic, you know. I think my favorite performance of him so far is a little movie called Fish Tank, a little British independent movie, which was fantastic, and I... He probably should have got nomination that year, but I mean, he's you know he's he bounces around from these kind of prestige pictures like this and Jane Eyre, and then he does that mainstream stuff where he's great in things like Prometheus and X Men First Class and Glorious Bastards. So he's going to act forever. One of these years, it's going to match up performance and timing. You can't underestimate a guy like that who can do the serious stuff and the blockbuster stuff just seamlessly and seem totally comfortable in both. I feel like that's kind of in short supply. And uh... yeah, it seems like he has a pretty good eye for it. I mean, other than Jonah Hex, I'd say he has a pretty good eye. Right, I mean, people don't remember this. I mean, if you probably if you've watched uh, Band of Brothers a thousand times, you know. But I mean, he was he was acting. That was one of his first big breaks with Band of Brothers. He's been around for a while. He didn't really kind of break through until Hunger and Shame. But uh, yeah, now he's here to stay, and he's going to be getting. This is his first nomination. I wouldn't be surprised if he has you know seven or eight by the time it's all finished. And then there was also uh, let's see, uh, Bradley Cooper. I I really like Bradley Cooper in American Hustle. I do. I like Bradley Cooper. I think he has a little bit of a stigma thing going too where people some people don't take him seriously I don't know because the first things they remember him from you know. I don't know they have some image of him in their head that's burned in they can't get rid of it's the hangover so image yeah fantastic in silver linings and I think he's really good in this so I got I got no problems with him being here yeah, I, I think, I, I, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I feel like if someone, you know, if when they, what, the film they make their name with sort of is the one that sticks in your head, and it takes a while to shake that. You got that with McConaughey, Woody Harrelson for a while was kind of like that, I thought, and with Bradley Cooper, you think, a lot of people think of The Hangover first, and, you know, he's working very hard to probably dispel that, but I don't know, I feel like that makes it a little harder, a little slower to, to, to think of them differently. Yeah, but I liked him in The Hangover, so I don't know. <laughs> I, I did too. Well, right, not exactly, you know, awards material, but then he does movies like, you know, Limitless or whatever, which I actually think is a pretty decent little movie, but uh, again, not uh, not serious stuff. Yeah, and like someone like Fassman, I don't think he, uh, in the in the past, you know, four or five years since he really started to, to have his choice of projects, he hasn't had the best eye all the time. I think that he'll get better at that. Now they've had these couple experiences with David O. Russell, plus... You know, this is how it works in Hollywood a lot of times. You can be in a movie like The Hangover that you, that you think surely everybody must have seen, but for somebody like Martin Scorsese or some of these better directors in Hollywood or David Fincher or somebody to really see, you have to be in something like uh, American Hustle. And then they go, oh, you know what? He'd be good in my next thing. And that's how it, that's kind of how it works. 
and I kind of have a theory about this that uh, there are a lot of these uh, these this is handsome young men who are like they look like movie stars. So everyone sort of says, "Oh, you should be a movie star." Uh, I, most uh, the one I always think of is Alec Baldwin, um, and followed by Ben Affleck, where you just think this guy looks like a movie star. So I'm going to put him. I'm going to put them both in superhero films, Daredevil and The Shadow, and it just doesn't work. And then eventually they realize, look, just because I look like a leading man doesn't mean I can't take these supporting roles. And when they do, you find out, oh, Alec Baldwin and Ben Affleck are great in supporting roles. Bradley Cooper is really good as part of an ensemble. You know, he's good in all the other stuff, too, but I feel like people try to shoehorn them maybe into that movie star, you know, Tom Cruise kind of thing, and then when they eventually realize they don't have to do that, they do some really great work. Yeah. He was also, Bradley Cooper's also good this year in uh, A Place Beyond the, Beyond the Pines. That got a little buzz early on, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's an odd movie. It's, it's a little problematic. I understand. I mean, it has, uh, let's just say, scoffling in it, so I mean, it got a lot of attention, and it's it's an interesting movie. I like it, but it's it's I wouldn't rank it as one of the you know five or six best of the year. Any other thoughts on supporting actor before we move on? You know, Tom Hanks didn't get it for saving Mr. Banks. Um, there was a little bit of a push, yeah, kind of internet land, but I think in some legitimate circles too that kind of get it would be fun to see James Franco there for Spring Breakers, which would have been I mean as, as bizarre as uh, seeing Jonah Hill there is to see James Franco for that weird performance of Spring Breakers would have been a treat, but I just wasn't going to happen. Yeah, they already. I think uh, that it reminded me, obviously, of Gary Oldman in True Romance a little bit. It felt a little, right. a little like like Bale channeling De Niro. Frankly, it felt like a, almost like an homage. Right. And the one that would have been kind of a sentimental pick, uh, it was a good performance, but it might have been just more sentiment to get in there with uh, James Gandolfini. And I said he was very good in it. It was a very un-Tony Soprano-like performance. It winds up being his last performance, and uh, he didn't, uh, didn't make the cut. Uh, okay, so Best Supporting Actress. Um, again, another heavy favorite. Not a lot of odds to talk about here. Uh, Lupita and Yango, I think it is. Um, heavy, heavy favorite for 12 Years a Slave. And I think, Mark, you said earlier you were spellbound by her. Well, yeah, she's not really in the movie uh, very much uh, in reality, but by far that was the, the part of the movie that I cared about the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and that's that, that's sort of impressive, I think, that when someone is not on screen very often, but every time they are, you know, you sit up and take notice. There's something to be said for that, for sure. When when she was on the screen, I, I believed what was happening 100%. You can't pay an actor a higher compliment than that, really. Um, let me just run through the others real quick before I forget. Jennifer Lawrence, really the only other uh, per, uh, supporting actress with a chance of winning. Uh, Julia Roberts, Sally Hawkins, Hawkins and uh, June Squibb, who is uh, the third oldest Best Supporting Actress in history and who I admit I thought was a Harry Potter character when I first heard her name. Uh, never been nominated for literally anything before uh, that I could find, like not even a Golden Globe here or there. Mostly stage work, I think, uh, 84 years old. Um, and I, uh, Jack Nicholson's wife in About Schmidt, is that right? Right, yeah, she only has a couple opening scenes before she dies, which starts the whole plot, but yeah. Right, right, and, you know, good in those, but, you know, you really don't get any sense of anything, and I understand she's fabulous in this, but it sounds like it's pretty much Lawrence or Nyong'o. Yeah. Lawrence, only 23 still, my goodness, like, yeah. she's going to be around for a long time. She just won last year as Best Actress. And, and now she's making a ton of money as Katniss. So again, another one of those yeah. people who yeah. can transition between the awards fair and the big budget fair right. just seamlessly, uh, and is probably going to work for a long time. But again, we've talked about this before. As much as they like to give, you know, uh, the ingenue uh, an award, and when they already have, and when they're already going to be around for a really long time, um, and let's face it, you know, Lapita and Yango. I, I think she probably has a future, but a less obvious future, maybe. A little harder to cast in some of these mainstream roles, unfortunately. Just not as many roles for, for uh, you know, a woman of color, for example. Um, Jennifer Lawrence is going to be around for a long time, so I feel like Nyong'o just is going to win this, has to win this. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's that cut and dry, but yeah, I think it's, maybe, it's definitely going to be her or Jennifer Lawrence, but I don't know if it's that 
heavy a favorite as some people are making out. I think it's I think it's pretty much a toss up between her and Jennifer Lawrence at this point. Well, the odds are the odds are closer here than most of the others, I should say, for sure. Um, I mean, uh, and Yango's a clear favorite, but not an overwhelming one. That's absolutely true. Um, and you know, Roberts and Hawkins, you know. They're there. Congratulations on your nomination. Thanks for coming. Hope you enjoyed the show. They were they were very good. They were they were very good in there. In yeah, Julia Roberts was good, but I mean, I, again, I don't think that movie was fantastic. And oh yeah, they don't have a chance in in hell. But um, <laughs> yeah, Sally well, Hawkins, is always, place, Sally Hawkins is always good, and I, you know, she should have been nominated for Happy Go Lucky a handful of years ago. But uh, yeah, she. I mean, I'm glad she got the nomination, but yeah, no chance of winning. And that's probably true of June Squibb, even though it's nice that she's there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she really does. When you guys see, I mean, she's just hysterical in that movie, and she doesn't. You know, she's definitely on screen less than the other principals. But I mean, every time she's on screen, she just every scene she's in, you just go right to her, and she's great. And it's interesting. I I, I had to, you know, obviously I, I did a little research, and I found out that she's done a lot of stage work. But you can kind of guess when you see someone at this age who does such great work seemingly out of nowhere. It's usually because they've been doing a lot of stage work for years, relatively yeah. unheralded. And I guess that's the case with her. So I, I mean, I hope I hope she sticks around long enough to see her a little more. That'd be nice. But uh, either way, you know, it's really something that this is her first nomination for basically anything. I think that's I think that's really something. The the only thing before uh, Holden uh, says who got snubbed, if anybody. The only thing I can I can um, see by looking at these um, two sets of supporting nominations. Now, when they when they first envisioned this award, it was really meant for somebody who was wasn't really in the movie that much. It was really a supporting. It wasn't so much that they supported the the actors like had a second lead or third lead or something. It was more like they were only in the movie a, a few scenes. When you look at the supporting actress nominations, most of them fit into the category. I mean, I haven't seen June Squibb, but most of them don't have a major role in the film, or even a, that big a supporting role. I mean, Roberts and Hawkins do, but they're mostly supporting. The, the, the male side, they seem to have more screen time. Yeah. Yeah, Jonah Hill feels a bit like a supporting role, but yeah, Fassbender's there the whole time. Cooper's there constantly. You make a really good point. It has kind of changed, hasn't it? It's kind of become like second lead or co-lead more than genuinely supporting in a lot of these cases. I mean, Jennifer Lawrence, I think, fits the bill. She's not in that movie a ton. But, uh, you know, you're, you're right. A lot of them are on screen uh, just constantly. I also really like uh, Jennifer Lawrence in, in that movie. I think she's... <laughs> I've heard some people say she's Miss Cash, she should be older and all this stuff, and I think yeah, it's very... I don't point, care. But I, think it's I don't care. I think one of her great strengths is that she could play a 20-year-old or a 33-year-old. I think she yeah. has kind of a look about her that gives her a lot of range, and if she acts differently, she seems differently uh, in terms of age. Uh, I think, so, yeah, I, I would disagree with that. I, I was shocked to learn she was 23. I thought she was a few years older for sure, and I think she, she could pass for much older if she wanted to. Um, and not in, in terms of appearance exactly, but just in terms of mannerisms, you know, if you want to make her up a certain way, I think like she can sell it. I think she's that good. I mean, that, uh, How yeah. long ago was Winter's Bone? Uh, it wasn't three, that long ago. Maybe three or four years, not long. Yeah, I think she was, was playing a 17-year-old in that. Right. And she wasn't much and she older. was, basically. Yeah, she was basically the age of the character. Yeah, yeah no, she was, she was, was 2010. She was, uh, she was about 19 or 20, um, and... Uh, yeah, and she. And, 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 I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, she was about 19 or 20 in real life and playing a 17 year old. And boy, I I didn't know at the time. I remember when I saw that film, I was you know very impressed. And I uh, I remember thinking, is this her big break? Are we going to see a ton of her over the next few years, or is she going to fade away? Because it seems like it's usually one or the other with you know a, a performance like that from such a young woman, um, and an attractive woman in particular. You know, you really don't know. And we have our answer. She's completely exploded. Yeah. I mean, she's just a superstar now. 
So, uh, but I, I really like that observation about the supporting roles kind of feeling a lot closer to the leads, and sometimes you can't even guess necessarily which one's going to be put up for which. You know, I, I don't, I don't know. Could you put up Enyango for a lead? Could you put up Fastbender for a lead if you wanted to? Obviously, they wouldn't. There's, there's some strategy here, isn't there? Holding a little bit of maneuvering. Yeah, there's, strategy, there's no, there's no bylaw that says it has to meet a certain criteria to be this performance, that performance. You can pretty much put the, the, the studios and whoever put up the nomination can do whatever they want. Yeah, the famous example is always Anthony Hopkins is, you know, Hannibal on screen for 11 minutes or something, whatever it was, but that's the example everyone always goes to when they point out that it's not really about screen time, it's about uh, centrality to the plot or, or, or uh, impact or something. And one of my favorite examples is uh, Fargo, where William H. Macy was supporting actor, and he's in the whole thing. Uh, Francis Norman was Best Actress, and she doesn't even show up till what, half an hour into the movie almost, so, you know, it has nothing to do with screen time, it's just, it's all... It's mercurial. It doesn't matter. Strategy. I think they actually thought William H. Macy could have won an Oscar for that, but he couldn't have won one for Best Actor. Right, yeah. So that's what they do. So they put him up for yeah, that. Sometimes if you're, if you're unknown, but no matter how old you are, if it's your first kind of Oscar nomination, I'm like, well, okay, you get a much better chance at supporting the lead actor. even though, And like uh, Haley Steinfeld was the same way in True Grit a couple of years back. She was supporting actress, and, you know, she's a main character in that movie. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah, and I actually feel like, uh, ironically enough, Jennifer Lawrence, it, it's one of those things where they would have wanted to do that, to put her up as best supporting, but they still have a little bit of shame, because you cannot say with a straight face that she's not the lead in that film. So even though she might have had a better chance um, for Winter's Bone as you know, supporting actress or something, right. they, they, they're, still, they're still a little tethered to reality there uh, at yeah. the extremes, I guess. So that's something. Uh, any other thoughts on supporting actress? Yeah, I don't think they're really big... Snubs. I mean, Oprah really wanted to get an Oscar nomination. And That's the one, yeah. Uh, which, uh, you know, it's fine. I mean, the movie kind of was the fate of that one. Um, and Scarlett Johansson for her, I mean, there's just, uh, with the actors nominating, with the, with the actors branch nominating performances, I just don't see, maybe 30 years from now, 50 years from now, I just don't see any time in our life, you know, anytime soon that a voice-only performance is going to get an Oscar nomination. Look, yeah, not- we had this debate with Andy Serkis and Gollum, and he had a lot more to do than just a voice. Um, right. I, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. We're a ways away. I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure the first mo-capped uh, nomination is coming at some point, but it, I think that's going to happen first. You know, or you're at least going to get some kind of full-body thing involved right. Um, right. before you can get all the way to voice acting. Uh, it's just, it's it's not going to happen. She was surprisingly good, though. I was, I, I was, I was surprised. Yeah, that's, that's another one. Like, even if you don't think much of Scarlett Johansson as an actress, you, know, you see that movie, and you're like, you know what? She was perfect for that role. Strange film, though, but but um, but 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 good and interesting. And I, I hate to use the word haunting, but that's probably the most appropriate word, and I don't use it lightly. Okay, so on to the screenplay awards. Uh, again, not a ton of drama here. Uh, best adapted. We'll just run through it real quick. Captain Phillips, Wolf of Wall Street, Philomena, Before Midnight, 12 years, going to win easily, I assume, yes? I would think so. Um, best Original. Now, this, we've talked about this in years past. This is a fun category. This is where they go get a little outside their comfort zone and nominate something or even give the award to something weird. And like we were just talking about, Spike Jones is her, would be that weird one. If they were going to go a little weird, they would do that here. American Hustle, in terms of, you know, Vegas odds or whatever, is your moderate favorite. And I, frankly, I'd give it a nomination just for the title card, Some of This Actually Happened, which I really enjoyed. Uh, I, I wish more films would be upfront like that about um, how true to life they really are. But Spike, it, so American Hustle, the kind of boring favorite. Spike Jones, the out there choice that actually has a chance of winning, I guess. Yeah, plus it's the only way. I mean, especially with Joaquin not getting nominated and Spike Jones not getting nominated. I mean, it's obviously not going to win Best Picture. So if there's a way for the Academy to reward that movie, which was so weird but successful, so it doesn't get shut out. Try to do. It's going to be right here. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, because the alternative is nothing basically. Right. Well, now let's 
let's wait a second now. Um, I didn't really think of this, but until just now, but is there anything, is American Hustle guaranteed any awards? The main, is it the favorite for anything? I mean, is this the best odds on that it's going to win this? And it's pretty much an even money with her, but I was just wondering, one of the movies isn't going to win anything, maybe, maybe. Jennifer Lawrence could win Best Sporting Actress. That's a, that's a very good, very good chance, at least compared to everything else. And her, her is very uh, original song, too, but it's not going to win there. It's not going to win there. Uh, well, that's a great point, though, actually, Mark. I mean, if it loses a couple of these coin flip nominations, suddenly it could be looking at getting, getting completely shut out. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't really know. I don't know. I, would, I didn't even think of it till now. I don't, think, I don't make my personal choices. Of course, I don't have any. But my, my, on Oscar night or whatever, I don't, for personal choices, I don't make them that way. And definitely for Oscar choices, I don't make them that way. No, that's interesting. It's got 10 nominations, and it has a legitimate chance of not winning anything. That's kind of unusual. Well, I mean, there have been films with even more, uh, I think, Color Purple and uh, The Turning Yeah, that was 11. For the most nominations with, with no win. I think they had 13 or 14 or something ridiculous. So, I mean, it happens. Yeah, and when that happens, I guess that's just for the Academy saying, really close, really good job. You came really close in a bunch of different fields, but just didn't quite pull it all together. Yeah, or sometimes it's just, it's just one of those things where it's the luck of the draw of the year. In another, in another year, you would have won a couple of these, and it's just, it just didn't work out this time. Would you guys both prefer to see her win, then? Probably. I, I, I don't really know, because I would, but I thought her was more original. If you look at the actual category, I mean, I know you want, you want to, the, the, the Academy has so many weird rules, like what qualifies as original and what doesn't. I mean, I know that American Hustle's based on something that happened, but about 99% of it isn't. So it's pretty original, but it's not original original, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind either one. I mean, the other categories, too. I mean, Dallas, somebody said Dallas Fires Club. Why is that an original screenplay? I don't get it. Well, because nobody wrote a book about it or... Uh, a newspaper article, or maybe they did. I obviously wrote a newspaper article, but uh, serialized the magazine. I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Like a pamphlet. What certain, can we adapt a pamphlet? Yeah. If you write certain things, or, you you qualify as um, adapted screenplay, and if you write certain other things, you qualify as original screenplay. And the, the writers guild, I mean, the writers guild anyway has all kinds of bizarre rules for our. Yeah, they have their own. They have all kinds of wars going on all the time. But the fact that uh, it filters to the screenplay Oscar isn't really that surprising to me. Yeah, they the the writers the the writers guild uh, disqualifies some of the the favorites off the right off the top. Doesn't even let them be nominated. So, but no, there was a list of which ones they disqualified right off the top. I Twelve Years a Slave was not was not nominated for anything from the screenwriters guild. It was disqualified. I for, I forget why, but it was disqualified. Uh, the other nominees, just so we'll run through them real quick, Nebraska, Blue Jasmine, Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, Blue Jasmine, I mean, look, Alan's screenwriting nominations are where, he, where he's actually unlikely to win or as about obli- as obligatory as the Scorsese directing nominations where he's not going to win or the street acting nominations where she's not going to win. It's sort of just, hey, he wrote a film this year. You know, I'm not saying it's not worthy, but there is a degree to which it starts to feel a little routine. Yeah, well, this is his 16th I mean, look, there are two possibilities here. Either he's that good, or there's a little bit of, you know, a little bit of unthinking going on sometimes. Uh, he's that good. He's that good? Okay. Yeah. You know, despite all of his off-screen stuff, he's certainly beloved as an artist in that community. There's he's no been around for so long. Uh, 16 sounds a little light to me. And he keeps busy. It's one almost every year, isn't it? 
And for and for all those sixteen nominations, he's only won three. Well, only three writing nominate, only three writing wins. That's still a lot. Goodness. Yeah. Well, but for his percentage, it's, it's not that good. His percentage is way down. Yeah. <laughs> Tarantino, I think it was two for three. I mean, he's gonna gonna catch him soon. Okay, so that's the screenplay stuff. Not a whole lot of drama there, except maybe an original. We'll see there. Um, and I don't, really, the only thing that really interests me there, apart from whether or not her can pull it out, is just. If you're got, you know, those awards will give you a slightly better idea about how American Hustle might fare in the bigger awards. If it has any kind of chance, you're going to see it there first, right? To give you a little hint if there's going to be some kind of upset. Not necessarily. No, no, no. I don't. Not, no, no, it's no. it's happened before. Then, too bad I, I don't have the thing right at my fingertips. Yeah, but I remember a, a film won Best Original Screenplay, and and uh, a film that was nominated. And, Gone on to win on to win uh, best film. It didn't win right, because, like, like we were saying, it can also be seen as the consolation prize for consolation prize. picture a director. That, so I mean, it's either it's the consolation prize or it's, or it's a indicator that's going to win. I mean, it's, it can go either way. You don't know till the end of the night. I mean, I I assume somebody somebody would maybe uh, fill out their ballot and then say, well, wait a minute, there is no American Hustle on here. Maybe I should go back and and switch this. Right. They might do that. They might do that. Me, I wouldn't do it. But but they might do it, or they might just say, "Well, we." Uh, I don't think they get together and say, well, "This is what we want the world to think of us. We want to do this." But the individuals, the individuals can think more holistically if they want to. Because I don't think that they get on the phone and talk to each other. Well, we got this. I mean, I don't think they spend a podcast like we do analyzing this and decide what we're going to do uh, to make it happen. Because first of all, two or three votes isn't going to matter anyway. They're not a hive mind, right? But um, but I, I like what you're saying, though, about, you know, it's it's easy to imagine someone looking across their entire ballot and going, huh, I didn't give American Hustle anything. Um, and, you know, this might be a decent place to do it. Yeah, we're not saying that this is going to happen at all, but this, this, they might think that way. Whatever, right. Fill in the blank with whatever movie. And the only uh, the only really snubs I can think for screenplays besides uh, Joel and Ethan Cohen's kind of obligatory one, which they didn't get this time, is uh, one that I really liked, a uh, little movie, uh, Lake Bell, do you know her? She's an actress. Oh, uh, In a World? Yeah, In a World was a really fun little movie that she wrote and directed. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really think she'd get an original screenplay nomination, but I was kind of hoping against hope that she'd crack in there. But it's it's a great little movie. It just came out on DVD recently. It's easy to imagine her being a big deal really soon. Yeah, yeah, she's really talented. I mean, she's, uh, she's obviously beautiful. I think I first noticed her in uh, um, Boston uh, Legal. So I was kind of aware of her as an actress for a while. And then I could saw, oh, she does comedy. She does oh, That's good for her. And then does she everything, yeah. By the direction, I'm like, wow. Well, that's amazing. Good for her. <laughs> I want to see more movies from her. I hope she makes more movies. Yeah, I, this one didn't make a ton of mo- money and didn't get a lot of word traction, but I, I hope it did well enough and was received well enough by the right people that uh, somebody writes a couple more checks for her to make a couple Yeah, I will say, relative to box office, relative to awards, it got a fair amount of, of I want to say, just talk. I, I remember hearing about it more than you would expect for a film like that, um, which I think is a good sign. And I agree. I hope it, we see a lot got, more. It got good review, bud. I'm sure, I don't know what Rotten Tomatoes rating is, but I bet it's, it's pretty good. It got good reviews, and it got a little bit of buzz when it first came out uh, into the summer. I, think. Uh, I will check. 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so that, that's... It's, it's a good little movie. I hope people check it out. It's, it's available now for download and, and rent. Uh, you should check it out. In a World. It's, it's a really fun little movie about uh, she's a voiceover artist, and not only just voiceover, but she likes to do, she's trying to work in trailers, 
which, as the movie points out, and as you'll notice if you're thinking in your head, there aren't many women who do the, the narration, the voiceover in trailers. So she's trying to go for the, the guy who invented the, the phrase, in a world. <laughs> in a world. He's kind of overdone for a while, has died, and the movie, the next big epic that's coming out that he was supposed to do is now up for grabs among the, the insular world of voice actors who do trailer voiceovers, and she tries to, to be the first woman to get that, that big prize. And it's, it's a really fun kind of inside Hollywood movie. It's got some really fun uh, little performances in it. It's a really good good flick. So this is a little headier topic. Um, I'm, I'm just going to be very upfront. I don't have many opinions about Best Documentary Feature. I'm one of those people who hasn't really seen most of them, and I'm, as we've talked about before, sometimes even the people who vote on them haven't. But this just seems like one of those uh, years where obviously The Act of Killing is one of those documentaries that's broken into the mainstream. Um, and uh, it starts to feel a little obligatory there. It's it, it's just received so much buzz, and uh, so many people are talking about it, which you really don't get from a lot of these. But when that happens, uh, it usually walks away with it. Well, twenty. Uh, I also saw Twenty Feet from Stardom, which kind of is uh, gaining a little a little traction, as the whole yeah, says. If there's, such a, if there's such a thing as a crowd pleaser in a documentary. It's Twenty Feet from Stardom. Yeah, it's kind of in the uh, you know the winner from last year. When the, when, the, when the documentary kind of loosened up and let people vote a different way, instead of having all this thing where you have to sign in and, and do all this crap and see all the movies, you know, so uh, Searching for Sugar Man, that was a crowd pleaser. Yeah. Uh, 20 Feet from Stardom is kind of like that. I don't think it's as good, but, you know, it you, you, you could be affected by it, certainly. I learned a few things about it, and it's got, it's got some good music. Uh, the Act of Killing, on the other hand, I thought was was very good, but there's there is something about it that it's it makes you kind of feel a little a little weird, uh, which I added I actually gave it points for that, but it kind of makes you feel a little weird, like you're you know like you're condoning what these guys are doing, or like you're somehow the documentary maker was was in on it or something, but that doesn't really take away from what what you see. It's really it's so bizarre and so yeah. original. Um, yeah. And so and so powerful in its truth, for the most part. I don't know what staged and what isn't. I mean, the whole thing. I don't know. I I, I pretty much take it for for granted that most of it's real, but it leaves you with a weird a weird feeling, like you know, wow, because you never because you never seen it before. I feel like once you're having that conversation, once you're talking about it this much in a in a category like this, it, that that you already have your answer. Um, if you're if you're talking about well, how much is staged and how much is because it's so powerful, it almost makes you not want to believe it. You know that kind of thing. You start to have when, if it's powerful enough that you have to question whether or not it could legitimately be that way. Um, you've sort of already answered the question. Well, I mean, I'm what I'm talking about is just that, that I don't understand how the guy even came up with the concept of the movie. It's it's a little out there. It doesn't sound it's so like a movie. far gone. It's so surrealistic. Right. But it's but it's all. But then it's presented. You know, this is what they really did. Right. I mean, the people still exist and live in the country is one thing. To even have the idea to go to talk to them is another thing. He he couldn't have had any idea that this would come from it. Yeah, the whole thing. I mean, I think what well, I don't know that that's 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 another movie. <laughs> the making of the act of killing. That's another movie. But uh, it's just so bizarre and fascinating, and I don't know. It, it also makes you you feel weird because you know you 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 think these horrible monsters, but you you kind of feel for them in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's it's really a complex set of feelings you go through watching it, and then just it being so different. Yeah. Well, that yeah. it sounds. It sounds like that's the big favorite. Then it sounds like you guys are okay can, with I, that too. I guess I can see somebody not caring anything at all about it, 
but well, if 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 it's going to go another way, uh, I think twenty feet from start, you're right, it's fun, but they're probably a little too late. Um, I it might go to the square, which is kind of you know a, also a serious subject, but done in a more conventional style and without leaving you like, wait, am I am I sympathetic to this? <laughs> so it's a little more safe that way. But I mean, the act of killing is the one that I mean, if if people are talking about one of these documentaries twenty years from now, it's going to be an act of killing for sure. And 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 and, you, and they might think that way a little bit. We've talked a lot before about how certain choices are going to look twenty years from now. That ended up being an argument both for and against the social network. I remember. Um, and so you know, you got to you got to figure the occasional voter is going to wonder which of these is going to uh, stand the test of time, and this is the one everyone's going to be talking about. Not that that's necessarily the only criteria for picking an award, but it does factor in, I guess. Um, do any of you guys have any opinions about uh, some of the smaller categories? Uh, best animated short film, best documentary short, uh, live action? No, I usually don't put much as much into these. They just they happen, and I just kind of just blindly pick one. I, it's, even like this year, I don't think I've really seen many of those. I mean, in the years when I've gone to film festival a lot more, I've actually seen a lot of the nominees before beforehand and even then it's almost impossible to pick even when i've seen them i think oh that was fantastic that short was amazing and i saw four of the five shorts it's the other one it's like what the frick yeah, yeah so i don't even try guessing i haven't even tried guessing on those it's just yeah and i haven't seen any of them so well one of the nice things about best short film for particularly for animated is that sometimes they end up online for free um just uh like a week or two before the ceremony which is really nice because you know they're five minutes each it's not that hard um and i'm hoping that happens again this year because i think that's a, a really great thing that happens sometimes um Best animated film, uh, you know, I like to think of this as the category that most viewers have the most highly informed opinion about, which is kind of nice, I guess. Um, I don't, I gotta be honest, I don't, I don't, I've only seen a handful of these, and I don't really love any of them. Um, it's kind of, I'm definitely interested in the fact that Pixar uh, has really fallen off the pedestal a little bit, um, making good but not great movies for a few years now, I think. Um, Frozen's the big favorite. Uh, I guess the only real storyline is whether Miyazaki is, you know, is this like a Lifetime Achievement Award? Does he? I, I, don't, I haven't seen The Wind Rises, so I don't know if this is sort of a goodbye present or what. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I don't know how many of the Academy voters are going to actually watch it, but uh, I just know Frozen's really popular, and i got to believe, just like your neighbors and your friends, that all the Academy voters, their little kids, watched it and loved it and are singing the songs, and that's got to count for something. And people seem to really like this little Disney revival thing that's going on. Yeah, um, I mean, I enjoyed the movie. I, I don't. I, there are people who I, I see bashing it. I don't really get that. I understand you don't like it that much. I don't understand the bashing, but I, I enjoyed it. I, I like that. I like that. I like that Pixar sort of whipped them into shape. I thought Tangled was particularly good, and while I haven't seen Frozen, it certainly feels similar to me already. Um, I, yeah, I like. I like the little little comeback. Um, I think the Despicable Me films are pretty good, I guess, but uh, they never strike me as Oscar fair, even animated film Oscar fair. Um, I don't know, Mark. Have you happened to see The Wind Rises yet? Uh, no. Sarah was going to go see it at the AFI festival. She had tickets for it, but she couldn't get there in time since it was opening night. She had to get there early and everything, and had to get up there to LA and didn't make it. She saw some other films uh, there that were really interesting, but uh, uh, didn't see it. So we don't, you know, I saw The Sickle of Me Too and Frozen, and I, I would pick Frozen from those two, even though I like The Sickle of Me Too. Uh, but, you know, uh, an award, I don't know. Yeah, it's a little weird. Uh, I don't know. Where do you guys come down to Miyazaki in, gen- in general, though? I know he's pretty like contro- pretty controversial on our site. Not controversial in the sense of a lot of people hating him, just controversial in the sense of a lot of people adoring him and the other ones not seeing what the big deal is. Um, and I feel like that's kind of going to be a big part of his legacy. Oh, you use the word controversial rather than use a certain username. 
Yes, I don't want to single anyone. <laughs> I don't want to single anyone out. But I mean, let's face it. There's there's definitely some pushback, and the pushback. I don't know if it has so much to do with oh, I don't love the films. It's more I don't love how much people love some of these films, or how how they always seem to love his films, or or any you know a certain brand of anime or something like that. Um, it's kind of hard to parse out how how much of it's even about the movie anymore, as opposed to about the fans of the movie. So I don't know. Are you guys big fans of his work in general? I mean, I like. Oh, yeah. I, I've never been a slobbering fan, but uh, I, I yeah, I'm not. I'm not a slobbering small. fan, but I, I like, like him. All, but I've never been like. Uh, yeah, I'm not one of those devotees who thinks he's the second coming or anything. But uh, I would say he would have a better shot of winning for this, no matter what. Because I haven't seen it yet either. No matter what it is, if he hadn't already won. But the fact that he won the second year that they invented this this category uh, probably takes some of that impetus away. To, was that Spirited Away? Yeah. Was that the one? Uh, yes. Yeah. Which is otherwise known as the Miyazaki film that even non Miyazaki fans have seen. Right. Right. Okay, um, I, there are only a few more technical awards after this. Uh, best visual effects, I mean, it's gravity. They're all going to gravity. Yeah, case closed. I mean, the effects took like three years, and they were literally almost 90% of the film. I mean, it's, it's almost all visual effects. They're gorgeous, and they're gorgeous without being showy. You know, they're understated, sort of, which I really appreciate, and I think the, the voters tend to appreciate, too, uh, a little more than the, uh, say, Iron Man 3s of the world. You know, best editing. This is interesting. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, is this... This one might be a little more competitive. Uh, on one hand, you'd think, okay, if 12 Years a Slave is going to win a lot of the big awards, you know, a slightly better chance at editing. But we talked earlier about how there's some kind of odd stylistic choices, a lot of long, lingering shots. They might be nice creative choices, but I don't know if that makes for very impressive editing. I know uh, Paul Greengrass's films are always incredibly, well, let's say meticulously edited, a lot of fast cuts, a lot of evident editing, I guess we should say. Uh, whether or not it's good, I don't know, but the, the editing is very obvious. Um, I don't know, is this something where American Hustle might actually win one of its few awards? I don't know. I, uh, these kind of categories are really, if you look at them historically, they are really hard to predict. Sometimes they get swept away with whatever the best picture winner is, and sometimes they're just the oddest thing. You're like, what? <laughs> what just won? It could be that film only. Sometimes it's that film's only nomination, and you're like, what? Yeah, my favorite is trying to figure out the difference between what wins sound editing and what wins sound mixing. I know, Mark. I think you explained the difference to me last year, and I've already forgotten. Well, they used to have a category. First of all, before they see best sound editing used to be best sound effects editing, and best sound mixing used to be best sound. And when when the Academy Awards started, they just had the best sound. I mean, they didn't have either category actually since there was no sound. But anyhow, uh, they didn't add the category for, for a while. And then they had best sound. And that's what the best sound uh, mixing is, the best sound category. For example, not that this is helpful, but musicals are generally, you know, they, they usually do the vocals before the move the filming. Last year, they, uh, the movie that won didn't. They, you know, um, Les Miserables, they've, they filmed the vocals live. And it won Best Sound Mixing. So if you notice, Inside Lewin Davis is nominated and under Best Sound Mixing for probably the same reason. But not editing, yeah. Yeah, Best Sound Editing usually is an action or sci-fi uh, movie, something like that, where they, they bring in... It used to be sound effects editing, so it's, it, didn't have to, it doesn't have to be an action or sci-fi movie, but it's something where there's you know a change in the sound you hear uh, that, that is very noticeable, um, usually. That that's a relatively new category. I mean, it's been around for a while, but not that long. So that is, I don't know if that makes sense 
It does. It does. Thank you. I remember uh, one of the first years we were doing the chat or the Oscar pool or whatever. One of the Bourne films won for both, and I remember thinking, "Well, okay, maybe that's just what happens." And I don't think it's happened since. It's been split since then. So I really, you know, I don't know what to make of it. Um, but since we're on uh, sound already, I think uh, Holden, you said earlier you thought the Moon Song and her was definitely not going to win Best Original Song. I, I, I mean, it's like four, it's like four lines. I think right? it's going to come down to either the U two song or or the Disney song. Oh, is that uh, Ordinary Love? Is the U two song? I think it is. Right. right yeah. Right. right. I, I gotta say, for some of the other technical awards, I'm really amused that we get to say Oscar-nominated Jackass Presents Bad Grandpa for Best Makeup and Hairstyling. There you go. I, uh, I think that's... Pro- I mean, I really want to see Johnny Knoxville at the ceremony. I really do. I think it can... Only good things can come of this. Um, and I know, Mark, you mentioned earlier that Great Gatsby's probably going to win a couple here. Probably, what, production design and costume design pretty easily? Yeah, it's kind of weird. It looks like this year, maybe maybe they all have been this way for some years and we just don't notice. But, I mean, to me, the Great Gatsby is, is almost as much of a made in the... In the um, you know, we used to say made in the studio. All movies were made in the studio. But, like, made in the green room or something, green screen room or something. You're saying, to me like you're saying most it, should be, it should be visual the, effects, right? Yeah, most of the Great Gatsby is uh, the production of the design and the Maybe not the costumes. I don't know anymore. I mean, do they do they uh, computer uh, animate the costumes nowadays? I mean, no, they don't. But I I wouldn't be surprised because first of all, if they computer animate the person. They computer animated his costume. Yeah, no, that's a really good point, isn't it? Like the best visual effect. It seems like best visual effects is uh, best best visual effects for things that we know can't exist. Best production design is best things that can exist, whether they're CGI or not. We don't know. But if it's clothes and 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 ballrooms and things you're doing, then that's a different kind of visual effects. That's production design. I was just thinking the best technical awards this year are going to go to Gravity and the Great Gatsby. At least that's what I thought. And you know the uh, purists or whatever are going to say, well. Yeah, it's all fake stuff, which maybe it is. I don't know, but I just thought I'd mention it. Although I guess American Hustle does have a chance to, uh, you know, with their 70s clothes, playing in 70s clothes, that has the only chance, I think, outside of the Great Gatsby for costumes. We do I, I would have thought Best Makeup and Hairstyling, should, American Hustle should have been nominated in there when you compare, yeah, like you say, Jackass and uh, The Lone Ranger, but I don't know. You know, there's enough, there's enough do, hair in did we do cinematography and I wasn't paying attention? No, we didn't do oh. cinematography. Good catch, yeah. So cinematography, I mean, it's... This is... I don't know. Are we getting into another one of these uh, arguments where because there's so many visual effects, people are kind of loath to give it to gravity because there's no actual lighting involved? Oh, yeah. Well, there's lighting. I mean, well, sure, but you know what I mean. Like, a lot of it done in the computer, a lot of it done digitally. I mean, we've had this argument a little bit here uh, in years past about, you know, how do you measure the cinematography in something like Avatar? Didn't Avatar win, actually? When, when Avatar... Actually, Avatar won, which really kind of irked me, which I don't get. Yeah, and Life of Pi so one it is obviously huge just green, which, I mean, I guess gravity must be too, although there's some intimate things in gravity, but... Uh. But it's at least getting into that territory where you're not really sure how much of it's real, quote-unquote, real cinematography and how much of it's on the computer. Gravity has something like a 12-minute shot at the very beginning. Right. So no matter what, no matter what, whether right. it's real or not, that's... That had to be coordinated. At least right. the way I remember. I mean, Lubetsky's, you know, did that with Children of Men a bit, but that was somewhat fake. I don't think the the gravity was fake. At least I I didn't see it. And he has he's been so good for so long, and and he hasn't won. I know you got uh, Lebesky. Didn't he win for? Uh, I don't think he won. And uh, no, he didn't. He didn't do scissors. Uh, That's Kaminsky. Oh, Kaminsky. Who am I thinking of? Oh, yeah. Emmanuel Lebesky. You know he did. Right. He also did uh, To the Wonder. Right. 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 He's done a million of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he did Children of Men, which you wanted to win. Yep, yep. Or you thought was the best. So, but 
but then you got also you, you got prisoners director of cinematography. I don't know. Has he won? No, Deacons has never won. How did this? How Deacons has never won? I think this is his eleventh nomination. Uh, he's like, I mean, a lot of the old uh, old guard cinematographers have died off, so he's really kind of the representative of the old guard these days. He's kind of the old the old pro that they all turn to, and he somehow has not won in all these nominations for Coen Brothers movies, for Scorsese movies. It doesn't matter. He just Sometimes it's luck of the draw. Sometimes it's just who knows what. But he has not won yet. Which is he's our generation's um, Gordon Willis or something. <laughs> yeah. That's that's brutal. Um, and I, actually, inside Lewin Davis, I wouldn't mind seeing that win. I, I thought it was just uh, gorgeous, um, drab and depressing, but you know, impressively so. Uh, but I. I, I so I guess I guess the real question is okay. So we think gravity, uh, Mark. You feel gravity, you know. Obviously, a lot of it's quote unquote real. But what about the abstract question? Like, can it be? You know, do, should it count in general? If it weren't, if you found if you found out that almost all of that was done in a computer, would you feel any differently, or do you just feel like that's just another tool? As you said, as we go more and more, if that if these movies become the future of cinema, they're either going to have people are going to have to just take it for granted that they deserve it, or they're going to have to invent a new category. That's interesting. Right. Yeah, and again, this, or uh, like, have like to the other, retire a category or something. Right, and like and like the other branches, the other cinematographers in in the Academy are the ones who nominated these films. So they're the ones who looked at Gravity and said, "Whoa, that's great! Can't discount that." This was this wasn't you know the general public or even just the general Academy membership. I mean, they get to vote, but as far as nominating, it was the it was the other cinematographers. So they know they know better than we do, I'm sure. Well, or is that another one of those? I mean. What what percentage of that membership is like we said a little older maybe and a little a little blown away by what the technology can do and maybe not entirely even aware I hate to say if they're a little more old fashioned I don't know the numbers I don't know how many old cinematographers are that aren't working that are still in I the, think cinematographers know what the what is what's what yeah I think I think they probably keep up on technology more than probably most of the other yeah I, I bet you could talk to a grip from from thirty years ago who hasn't worked who doesn't know any, but you could talk to some photographer I bet they still know what the cameras are even if they haven't actually worked with one I bet they know all the digital stuff yeah that's true actually Deacon I remember i was I was just verifying this while we were talking because I thought I remembered this Deacons was a, a pretty major consultant on how to train your dragon and when I read that I thought oh of course because there's so many shots in that film that really right. made my jaw drop some of the lighting when he I remember there's one point where they throw a torch down a tunnel and I thought I thought wow that looks just incredibly artistic for you know a big animated CGI family film and then I see the Deacons was involved and I thought there it is um, and boy I really wish more more people would take advantage of that because you gotta imagine this is like investing in you know like a writer rather than a movie star you throw a couple hundred thousand at a guy like Deacons and your film just looks gorgeous it doesn't cost it's a fraction of your budget um, especially with some of these animated films and I just feel like people are missing out, and especially given that, like you said, he's getting up there a little bit. And there's, I don't know how many more years you can do this, but I, I think everyone—he's only 64, but you know, it's right. old enough to to wonder. Um, boy, I don't know. I, I would really like to. I still feel like this is one of the um, more underappreciated aspects of filmmaking. I feel like we've done such a great job of recognizing the value of writing compared to the 40s and 50s, and directing. You know, the the whole um, that people recognize directors and writers way more than they used to. They used to be obligatory, right? It was just actors and actresses mainly. But I feel like cinematography is still lagging behind in recognition a lot. Uh, I was just looking it up here. So Lebetsky, uh was nominated for Gravity, The Tree of Life, Children of Men, The New World. Sleepy Hollow and a Little Princess. He was was nominated for those. He did right. a lot more. Now Deacons, I'm I'm not going to look <laughs> him up unless you got him. Uh, Holden. Yeah. Redemption was his first. Fargo, mm-hmm. 
Kondun, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, The Man Who Wasn't There, No Country for Old Men, A Fascination of Jesse James by the Cow Robert Ford, which was actually the same year as No Country for Old Men, and No Country for Old Men won Best Picture, and he still didn't win. <laughs> uh, uh, the Reader, uh, True Grit, Skyfall, and Prisoners now, and he hasn't won. Getting into the more mainstream fare, maybe he's thinking that's what I have to do to get, uh, to get the attention. I don't know. Well, he goes back and forth. I fall last year. I mean, I, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. He was the best part of that movie. I thought yeah. it was. I, I wasn't a fan of it. I thought it was a little, you know, a little ponderous. But he's the star of that movie, whether people recognize it or not. That shot on the train tracks. Oh my God! It just. Well, the Tree of Life was the same way last year for Lou Biff. I mean, he should have won for or. That last year or two years ago. He should have won for that. I mean, that's just an amazing movie. And they gave it to Robert Richardson for Hugo. For uh, uh, Yeah. For I mean, I guess when I look at each individual choice, none of them strike me as a travesty. You know, it's one of those things where you wonder how it happens. Um, you look at Scorsese, you wonder how it happens, and you look and you think, well, how did how did he lose? But you look at some of the guys Deacons has lost to, and I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't seem as ridiculous. It seems like he's been in the wrong place at the wrong time a few times. The other thing that I think is going to... Um, push it way over the edge for, for gravity winning, whether it's, you know, how much of it's manipulation and post-production, it doesn't really matter. This is, I mean, I think we all heard this in the media and friends and all kinds of, on, if you're on Facebook, everyone was saying it. This is the first, how long has 3D been around now? Is this thing close to a decade now? This is the first movie I remember anybody, like, in the general populace saying, you have to see it in 3D, yeah. you have to see it in IMAX. Yeah. And that is the direction and the cinematography. Yeah, well, that's that's what that's probably what Harry meant when he said future of filmmaking. It's it's the people right. who really make a film with this in mind. Don't overuse it. Don't throw through any too many things at the camera. It's just it's just a brilliant choice all around, and uh, that's a really good point. I think I I am not I'm not sold on 3D in general, but there are clearly uh, films that know what they're doing and how to take advantage of it, and this seems like one of them. Yeah, this was this was one. Of the, uh, the only other one I really thought was an absolute musty was the uh, Herzog document documentary about the the cave paintings. Because you really got to see the get the texture of the cave, which you can't get in flat. But yeah, these are the, those are my two that I'd say. You know, most of the stuff, most often with 3D for the mainstream stuff, I avoid it purposely. I will, yes. I go go to a different showing, even if there's only two showings that day, and it's on six other screens, and they're all in 3D. I will go to one of the two screenings that are in regular 2D. Yeah, people are like, perfect. oh, it's it's five dollars more, and I'm like, they only pay you five dollars for that, really? Like that's it? Like I will not, I wouldn't do it for free. Yeah. I mean, like, I think this year, just because of the way it shook out, I saw uh, the Star Trek movie in 3D and maybe one other one. And both times it's like, yeah, that was, I, I wish I hadn't seen that in 3D. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I, well, it's, it's darker, too. They still haven't figured out a way to, I mean, they have yeah. to crank up the brightness to make up for it. It's, it's, it's brutal. All right. Um, do you guys have any other thoughts on any of the other categories? Any thoughts in general? You know, just if you had to pick one film that you're pulling for, it sounds like Mark's pulling for Gravity and... Uh, um, you know, uh, holding more for uh, American Hustle and her, right? Those are your those are your favorites. I mean, uh, yeah, American Hustle and her. Were my, but Gravity was right there with me. American Hustle, Gravity, and, and her were definitely my three favorite movies of the year by far. Then kind of everything else. There's that next tier. So if any one of the three of them wins an award, I'll be happy. <laughs> Big award, fall award. I don't care. Would it be going too far to say that, the, I don't know, I just don't feel like there are as many great films this year, like like Mark was saying earlier, I feel like there's a lot of really good ones, I like a lot of these, and even one or two I, I would say I love, but I, I, don't, I really didn't feel blown away by anything. Um, I, do you feel differently? I don't, know there, I don't know that there are ever too many years where there's five or six great movies, there's only, only two or three, usually in any year, if you're lucky. Yeah, we're not living in the 70s now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. All right, well, uh, that's all I got, guys. Jeez, thank you again. You guys are both fabulous. Yeah. Yep, take care, Mark. Yep, bye-bye.
wow them in the end. You got hit. You can have flaws, problems, but wow them in the end. And you've got a hit.